You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to Arsenal Pass, episode 23. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? I'm, I'm great, Brendan. How are you? Good, good, good. good. So episode 23 is a very special episode for us here at Arsenal Pass, because actually, it's our first set anniversary. Arsenal Pass started because Hayden and I wanted to give people a limited set review to use on pre-release weekend and during the Monarch limited season. Since then, we've done a bit more than set reviews, and Arsenal Pass has become more than we ever would have expected. This is all because of listeners like you. Both Hayden and I want to thank all of you um, for being with us on this amazing journey, uh, making it all possible. So without further ado, we present the Tales of Aria limited set review. All right. Well, before we get into it, Brennan, we just have a, a bit of news as per usual on the podcast, but uh, it was a stirring, stirring speech. And no, honestly, like, thank you to everyone. And um, I think we said this the other week that we started out as a, a limited podcast. Like that was kind of just the point was just to be focused on limited and it's, it's grown to so much more. And you'll notice uh, we've got video on today. That's because we're going to go through the set review. The cards will come up on um, on the overlay so you can see the cards as we talk about them. And if you're on the audio, just uh, just so you know that uh, there is video as well available on YouTube. Um before we, before we jump into it, uh, people are, I know have asked about Vegas and, and are we going to, I guess, have, you know, do a bit of a, a look at Vegas and a bit of a discussion. We are. That's going to happen next week. We wanted to make sure we, we got the set review and obviously before the pre-release so that everyone had, you know, some time to digest um, before heading into the pre-release. We also have a special guest coming on to join us next week. Um, I think I can say this, Brendan, but we're going to have, uh, you know, the calling champion, Tyler, uh, come and join us to, to discuss a bit, tell us about his experience and... Um, yeah, really exciting. Just want to say a big congratulations to, to Tyler and, you know, fantastic run on, on the weekend. Um, you know, a really impressive, uh, first of all, top eight and then and then to go the full way, um, taking down a prism. And of course, want to congratulations to Dante, our teammate, who uh, finished up in fourth as well, uh, made the semifinals. And of course, you know, to yourself, Brennan, for making day two. Um, yeah, just a good all-round performance. Making, making day two and jobbing. <laughs> hey, you know. Um of course, pre-release this weekend as well. So good luck to and enjoy. Good luck and enjoy to all those who are going along. Uh, of course, we had the world premiere at the weekend in Vegas, which was awesome to sort of start seeing all these, I guess, stories about the limited format. Uh, Brennan, we've got a bit of an expert with Brennan today. He's played some limited. He's played some CL. He did a did a draft side event. Draft, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a bit of experience to join us in terms of our set review this uh, this week, which is awesome. Yeah. Anything else, Brennan? Before you we jump in, anything you want to say? For sure. I just want to quickly note, because I know a lot of people have asked about it, um, in regards to the chain deck, the sideboard, all that good stuff, we will be releasing that very soon. Um, we're going to be more fo- focused on fundamentals. Uh, so the thing about the chain deck is we'll mostly talk about how we, we beat control, and this comes down to a lot of kind of uh, you know mass stuff and core concepts. So while we both probably believe that chain in its current iteration will not exist in the way you understand it in the Tales of Aria meta, there's still a lot of you know more complicated flesh and blood concepts that we employed on that deck um, that we thought were effective and that you will be able to kind of extrapolate to other characters in the game. But yeah, awesome. and just a huge thank you to all the people that came up to me at Vegas. It means so much. I really can't put it into words. And the experience was absolutely amazing. And I enjoyed meeting all of you. But Hayden, why don't you take us into the main topic? Yep. So I want to talk a bit about what the, I guess, the set um, of Tales of Aria looks like as we get into it. So 
we're following a pretty similar format to how we did our Monarchs here review is that we will we'll go through the commons and rares. Uh, we're going to discuss their impact on limited, you know, what we think of these cards, how to best use them, um, how they fit into certain builds or decks. Um, and then we will give them a rating as well. So we, we do have a bit of a rating scale, which we'll go through before we, before we actually start. Wanted to also say as well, you know, um, with of course three heroes this time around and the elements, so we don't have any generics outside of the equipment. So uh, we have ordered it in a way that hopefully, you know, makes sense and is really digestible in terms of going through some of the class specific cards first and then the elements. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that. So Brendan, I want to talk about the rating scale. So we, we did this with Monarch as well. It's it's pretty similar again. Uh, we use an A through D rating scale and we do have a few uh, kind of like subgrades, I guess, as well. So if I talk about it, A's, these are the best of the best cards. So um, these are cards that are often going to be like the focal point of your deck or are these are the cards you're going to want to draw every game that are going to show you some power, help you, you know, um, set up pivot turns. These are cards like, you know, Refraction Bolters from Welcome to Wraith, Enlightened Strike, Crippling Crush, Heart and Crosstrap, uh, Drone of Brutality, of course, we all know and love, Soul Reaping, and V the Vanguard, also great examples from Monarch. Um, they won't necessarily stand alone and, you know, win you the game by themselves, but they will go a long way to setting up these really key turns in the game or pushing, you know, more power than you'd get from your average sort of C or B cards. Bs are your above average role players, so these are cards that are important to your overall strategy. So these could be like super synergistic cards that allow you to do powerful things. Uh, these could just be really efficient above rate cards as well. Uh, so some examples would be like Take Flight Red uh, or Halo of Illumination from the last set. Although Halo of Illumination might even be close to an A to be honest, that card did a, a lot of work in the last set. Uh, Warmonger's Recital at Red is a really good example, I think. Gallantry Gold, uh, Sink Blow if we think about Welcome to Wraith, Snatch, Scar for Scar, Goliath Gauntlets. And then C's are your, your true role players. They'll make up most of your deck. They're going to be support plan overall. So there's going to be a mix of your resources and your power cards. Uh, and these will usually be, you know, able to help on defense. They'll be able to do something on attack uh, or, sorry, on offense. Or they'll have a combination. Um, these are cards like Ghostly Visit, if we think about Monarch, Smash the Big Tree, uh, Cross the Line, Brandish Red comes to mind. Uh, come to fight if we look at Arcane Rising. So, yeah. Those are those cards. These these are cards you want to play as little of as possible. So this is pure filler, really. Uh, no real upside. These cards might just be used as a resource card. They might be used to defend, or they might be used to you know give a small buff to an attack. Uh, but you, you generally don't want to be playing too many of these cards. These are things like uh, Seek Horizon Yellow or Frontline Scout, Memorial Ground, um, Outmuscle Yellow, Nimble Strike Blue. These sort of cards. And then we do have two two other grades, which is uh, we we do give some cards a set upgrade. And you might notice this a bit more in the set because this is a really synergistic based set. Uh, so we will, you know, give certain cards a setup, setup grade if, if the deck needs to be built around them, uh, or if they need a lot of other cards to help support in order to enact. Uh, just thinking about some of the examples like this, this could be something like, you know, um, even Glisten to an extent, Tear Limb from Limb is a good example, the Moonwish and Sunkiss uh, combo unlimited from Arcane Rising. And then... We've got some cyborg grades as well. So we saw this a lot in Monarch, the introduction of cards that really only work in certain matchups. If we think about Eclipse Existence and Ray of Hope or even Talisman of Dowsing. Uh, so there's some more cards in this set as well that, that could be, you know, pure cyborg options. Um, we do feel, you know, it's, it's really early for us to give a, a, a certain grade per color. Also, we'd be here for three times as long. So when we go through this, we're just going to talk about the card as a total, but we might give some variations on, on, the, on the cycle, on the color cycle, the pitch cycle, if we think it's a little bit different. Anyway, Brendan, I have some just some some general notes and stats about this set. Maybe I'll start with the the set stats. I've just got a little bit of a, a key figure here. So the average defensive value across the commons and rares in uh, the set is actually two point two six. So I just went back and I wanted to look at like what the defense, the average defense was to work out. Like where is the set sitting in terms of power level and the ability, I guess, to you know defend efficiently, block efficiently. Um, 
If I look back at Monarch, Monarch is actually slightly less at 2.24, but you've got to keep in mind that with Monarch, we had a lot of brute cards that didn't defend, so they defended for zero that really skew that. Uh, so actually, when you look at it from that perspective, if you take those out, then the average is, is a lot higher in Monarch than it is in the set. There's a lot of two defense cards in the set, uh, primarily from the elemental cards. Uh, so I think you're gonna find that really interesting as we get into it, especially because if you think about a format like draft, the elemental cards are maybe the ones where they help you stay open. So there's a lot of a lot, a lot of cards that defend for two. Also worth noting, there's only three defense reactions in this set at common and rare. So there's two guardian ones and there's one rune blade one, but there's no access for for Lexi to a defense reaction. There's no generic defense reaction. There's no just elemental defense reaction. Yeah, understanding the aggregate block. Uh, value of a set is super important i remember this was i felt like i actually didn't get a clear picture of monarch until i opened it on pre-release day because we didn't have access to all of the cards and then when you realize you're like hey every card that's not a class card here blocks for two yeah. um significantly impacts the format because if you think about you know when you're playing against your opponent you think about the average block value of their you know their hand potentially that can dramatically influence your turn um, you're like, you know, should I pump this for five or, you know, if I have the option to give it, you know, plus three and dominate, what's better? Sometimes maybe the, the plus five is better because it, they just simply couldn't block it with their entire hand anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. And then, you know, we see that the average defense value is 2.26. So in Monarch, I see you have it here. It was actually 2.24. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. slightly higher. So very similar. Um, and I actually think that's way more interesting in Tales of Aria. Tales of Aria is just so much more synergistic and so much more explosive. Um than Monarch was. So yeah, it's it's something to keep in mind as you head into pre-release. Yeah, and also if you if you actually combine the defensive value, the average defense value with the equipment, it is actually lower because the equipment values in uh, Monarch were were higher. So we had Gallantry Gold, uh, Aether, Iron Weave, we had, um, you know, we had these equipment that did actually defend, whereas in the set, none of the equipment defend. They're all defense zero, so in the common and rare slots anyway. So uh, that's that's really interesting to see. So especially in a format where what's really important in this set, and you'll notice as we go through it, there's a ton of on-hit effects. There is a, a lot of evasion as well. So dominate uh, being one, but also pure damage out of the, the arcane side as well from Runeblade. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that as we go through. But I know, Brennan, just, just briefly, your experience really was at the, the weekend at the uh, world premiere that this format is... You know, while it might be a little bit slower, the ability to force damage is, is really there, right? Like you can't just sit back and try and block out because of these these evasion effects. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. I actually think that most people argue that it's faster. That's actually very, very fast format. And I think that as um, kind of the edge that you'll get as being a better player is actually slowing the game down. Um, it's it's kind of a trap that you would get from like Monarch or a lot of these other formats we would you know, would trade very often. Um, that's not really something you want to do too much in Tails because trading damage for damage, you can actually end up being on a life threshold where you're just going to die to dominate. You're just going to die to arcane damage. So managing your life total higher than you would expect um, is really, really important in this format. And I think you know, often slowing down what seems to be a fast game can be super important. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Before we jump in, just want to talk about Fuse. Uh, it is the key mechanic of the set. Fuse says, as an additional cost to play X card, uh, you may reveal an element card of that type. So if uh, it will specify, so if we look at something like Entwine Ice, Entwine Ice says, as an additional cost, you may reveal an Ice card. Uh, And if you do, you're going to get an extra buff. So Fuse or Fusion is really like the key mechanic of of the set. And you have, you know, Ice Fusion, you have Earth Fusion, you have uh, Lightning Fusion, and then you have uh, Dual Fusions as well on some cards, primarily on um, Majestics. But yeah, Fusion is the key 
key uh, keyword of the set. We're going to be discussing it a lot as we go through. So I just want to explain what Fusion is and what Fuse does uh, before we start talking about all these cards and these elements that enable Fuse and, of course, into our elemental attacks that use Fusion. 100%. Like, uh, Fusion is something you need to keep in the forefront of your mind as well as you try to evaluate cards. It is very much an extra cost. Um, and Fusion is probably what leads to you know most of your arsenal decisions in this game. So really, really important. It's a simple mechanic at first, but gets more complex as you try to figure out, you know, how does this affect my turn cycle? Because I am fusing this card, what happens if I don't have enough targets to fuse this card with? Um, so ultimately, I think it's one of the kind of the biggest drivers of how you're actually going to build your deck in Limited. Yep, and the more of these you add to your deck, actually the worse they get because of the less likely you are to trigger them. So it's a real balancing act with these fusion cards. Mm -hmm. Alright, we're going to start with Guardian cards. As I said, we're going to start with the class-specific cards, and then we're going to dive into some of the elements. We're going to start with the weapon for Guardian. So Titan's Fist. Titan's Fist is a once-per-turn attack action uh, that costs 3, and it says while there is a card with cost 3 or greater in your pitch zone, Titan's Fist has plus 1, and the base attack is 3. So you know, a really interesting weapon, I think. If you compare this, for instance, just base, I think the base rate, you can immediately go, well, you know, Anathos, pitch 3, attack for 4, right? So, uh, you know, is this, a, is this a slightly worse Anathos? Uh, but I think something really important to remember is this is a one-handed weapon, and um, we do have we do have the offhand shields in this in this set. So you know, I know you played all time during the pre-release sprint. What was your kind of experience playing with Titans first? For sure. So it is a one-handed weapon, but what you get is the offhand at common. It's actually not too exciting. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's not too much for me to be like, yeah, having one-handed over a two-hander is actually really good. So what I found is. You'll find that your your strategy doesn't is like is often not centered around swinging the weapon, like you know, opposed to if you thought about Anathos and Welcome the Wraith, like you would have an entire strategy around swinging that weapon and then maybe setting up like a big dominate turn at the end. I often find that I swing the weapon when I do have to block out more than I expected, or you know, maybe I just have a really dud hand. Uh, I think that you know, Titan's Fist is a w great way to grind your opponent. Um, towards the end and present damage just consistently if you had have had to block with more cards than you expected. But other than that, as Oldheim, um, especially in something like Sealed where you're not really drafting an archetype, you end up kind of playing more towards uh, your attack action cards. Mm -hmm. um, I find that swinging the weapon is not, is not a strategy that is fast enough um, or grindy enough in this format. You kind of just get outvalued by the opponent if you do something like that. Cool. All right, we have no, no grades for the weapons, of course. Uh, we're just just discussing their effects and sort of how they work and operate in the in the structure of a lot of these limited decks. Mm -hmm. And speaking of offhand, next we have the rotten old buckler. Um, so this is a guardian equipment offhand. It is the shield. It blocks her one, and it has blade break, which means that once you commit it to the combat chain, you destroy it when it closes. So. For me, this is kind of a C plus. Um, it's more like a why not, right? If you crack it and seal, of course you're going to throw it. <laughs> you know, throw it on if you're playing Aldheim. But it's a very reasonable pick uh, in draft with all the you know all the hit effects and tails, which we talked about a lot. Um, so I think a very powerful card, uh, very good against things like Briar. Briar has a lot of times so Briar is going to be coming in for four, um, and the on hit trigger is creating an embodiment of Earth token, which can. As you'll find, most likely in Sealed, you see that really be a critical hit trigger. Probably one of the more punishing ones. You know, obviously not like Lexi's discard a card, but you really don't want to let them get those embodiment of Earth, uh, embodiment of Earth tokens. So adding this on to block for that four instead of having to commit two cards, really, really good. Yeah, I, I really agree. I think there's a lot of on hit effects, and even some of the ones like um, 
you know, you've got the the Ice Fang and things like that, that playing the yellow because it's four attack is, is really relevant. But if you've got things like this, you can actually shut down some of those cards. So I think, you know, having extra Iron Rock, considering the fact that your weapon, you know, unless you open the Majestic Weapon, you're you're locked into this weapon anyway. So like you say, why not, right? Like this is a card that is effectively gives you an extra Iron Rock. And of course your equipment don't block. So having it on, on the field uh, defensive value is, is pretty relevant. Um, so yeah, I would, I would also say C+. Next we've got Embolden. So Embolden is a, uh, a rare cycle. It's a Guardian Action Aura. It costs four. And uh, we're looking at the blue one here. It says, go again. When Embolden enters the arena, if you control another non-token aura, draw a card. At the beginning of your next action phase, destroy Embolden. Then the next Guardian attack action card you would play this turn gains plus three. So we've seen this effect before, you know, a similar effect in terms of play it on one turn, the next turn you get the uh, the buff value. So we've seen that with, you know, Towering Titan, we've seen that with Emerging Dominance, uh, you know, we've, since Guardian's been around, we've had this effect. This one's a little bit different though. It interacts with other auras. So, you know, we do have uh, a couple of other auras in the set, uh, which we'll talk about later on in the Elemental Guardian. A four cost, you know, even at blue, this gives you plus three. And if you are able to set up that synergy to get the, the draw card, uh, I think this, this can actually be pretty relevant. I, I personally like the blue quite a bit. Um, I don't really like the red and the yellow as much, I think, just thinking about it from a theory standpoint. The blue, one of the things I like is that you can actually set up an end game with this in, in my head. You can pitch this, uh, you can have the aura for late game, you can play the two drop aura and you can play this off two cards, and then you can draw into your guardian attack action that you've set up, get that into arsenal, and then next turn you're getting, you know, plus three plus plus the the two or the one from your other aura uh and you're setting up to have a massive attack maybe something like uh with the uh the dominate guardian i think it's called glacial guardian that was called <laughs> there's a one that there's one that gives dominate glacial footsteps yeah glacial footsteps there's also the uh thump as well which we're about to talk which yeah. just gets natural dominate has more than its attack so i do i do like the blue um yeah what what is your kind of thoughts on this covering yeah, so for me, this is a solid D. I think it's a build around C at best, but um, costing four is brutal. It's going to take two cards. Um, and also, I think that you know if you're not setting this up on the bottom of the deck and trying to do something cute like that, this is also set it up on the bottom and then cycle to your second hand after that and then try to do something there. So the game has to be going slow enough to do that. For me, this is every time I see this, it's pretty much a resource card and it blocks for three. And that's really what I look at here. Um, and in my experience with playing the game that is how it's played out uh both for me and my opponents I see a dog walking in the background there <laughs> um yeah i think i mean it's a at the end of the day like blue is a three uh, defensive card that triggers your hammer right so i think it, the blue can't be worse than probably like a c minus but i can i can get get around that as a build around card so i'd probably be giving this a, a c for blue i think and then a c minus d like a build around grade like britain's given for for the the other colors yeah it's really interesting um just like just quickly to talk about like kind of like a macro concept in the in the set as well is that you know we are used to seeing kind of blue block three like class cards it's like yeah it's really good just throw it in it blocks for three it's a resource card but in it's weird because in in tails you actually open like 40 to 45 playable cards it seems like um and you'll end up cutting like blue or just class cards that block three to get more earth cards or to get more ice cards in your deck um because they are effectively resource cards with fuse Good point. Yeah, this is this is not a this is not an elemental card, so it's not going to help you with your fuse, which is, you know, as we get onto some of these things later, is really important, especially if you're trying to splash across two elements and you're trying to uh, trigger a number of effects. You might have to cut cards like this in order to fit, you know, like an earth card that defends for two or a, an ice card that defends for two. For sure. So next we have Thump. Um, it's a common and it's a guardian action attack. 
Uh, we're looking at the red one here. It costs four, it attacks for six and, it, six, and it blocks for three, and it reads, while Thump's attack is greater than its base attack, it has Dominate. If it hits a hero, they discard a card. So for me, this is a, a C plus and a build around B. Like if you can get the, the boss for this, it's really, really good. It's important to obviously note like the second part of that text. If it hits a hero, um, you know, they discard a card. That's disruption. There's a lot of disruption in this set, but something like this is super, super powerful. There's a lot of pumps as well. Some that are like very, very powerful, you know, plus five, all this crazy stuff. But my favorite one is actually Cracker Jacks. It's a piece of armor. Mm -hmm. So you pop your Cracker Jacks, you just give it a plus one. You've got seven dominate if you've got the red and a discard effect on that as well. I'm just so brutal because you, you effectively have dominate on demand, right? Um, so I really like that. But for me, it's it's a C plus. Like it's not insane, right? You you definitely need other pieces to go with it. Uh, but if you do build around, I think it's I think it's a solid B. Mm, I had this as a C plus, but the more we've talked about this, and the, you know, Cracker Jacks is something I hadn't thought about as well. There's a lot of and there's a lot of pumps as well. You know, there's like Ice Quake. There's the the two cost Earth one, which works really well with this. For you pitch two blue, you play the um, you know the plus four or plus five from the the Earth one. Play this. Um, I, you know, I'm going to have this a B minus. I think this this card is almost always going to be good. You're always going to have pumps for it. Uh, you know, four for six is a is a pretty average rate. But I think one of the things about this breakpoint as well is that you can pitch a relevant card to also help pay for this yeah. and then cycle back through your deck. So four isn't always a downside uh, when you're trying to set your deck up for late game, especially if you have some other things to do. So um, especially when you've got pumps in your deck. So I'm going to give this a B minus. I think pumps, right? Yeah. yeah and I give to, to your point, you know, like a, a build around, I think this could be a build around like B plus. So I'm going to say B minus though. Um, we'll very, see. very good. I mean, I will say that I did kind of ignore the second part of that text actually when I played it for like my first couple of games where if it hits a hero, they discard a card. I kind of just read like it gets dominate <laughs> for some reason. Uh, that discard is really because like if it didn't have they discard a card, this card would still be good in my mind. Like it would mm -hmm. almost have a pretty similar rating, maybe just under like a, a subgrade, you know, like get a B minus. But because of that, I mean, adding the disruption onto this and, you know, like we talked about, if you do have something like Cracker Jacks, you literally have it on demand. Oof, it's a good card. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of missed that the first couple of times I read it as well. So, <laughs> all right, we're moving now into the Ranger, uh, the base Ranger cards. I'm going to start with Honing Hood. So Honing Hood is a Ranger equipment hit. Uh, it has zero defense value, as we talked about with these equipments. And it has an ability that's instant. Destroy Honing Hood, return all cards in your arsenal to your hand. Then put a card from your hand face down into your arsenal. Brendan, I'm going to let you start with this one because to me, I think in face value, I don't really like this card. It doesn't seem like it's going to do much for me, but I think you have a few things to talk about this one. Yeah, so for sure. So for me, I can already see that our grades are quite different. For me, this is a C plus or B minus um, because it feels really, really good. So like the way this actually plays out is you're going to arsenal something like a lightning card is Lexi. Well, yeah, of course, it's Lexi. This is a Ranger Equipment Hood as Lexi. And then on the next turn, what you'll do is you'll use Lexi's ability, flip that lightning card. You'll get go again on your next attack. Then you'll play the hood, uh, bring that card up into your hand, and then you'll put an arrow in Arsenal. That arrow will have uh, go again from using Lexi's ability. You play that arrow, then you activate Shiver. You add another arrow, hopefully one that has an on-hit effect. Give it Dominate. Now you're double arrowing, which is like we talked, I don't know if... Um, you know, obviously not in the set, but we talk about Kano too, is like double spelling, like double arrowing is kind of similar, right? If you're able to get that go again, maybe get two on hit effects. It's really what you want to be doing. Um, and of course this is not really competing with any other head pieces that, you know, you might be able to use. So for me, kind of like all upside, if you can get it, I really like it. I actually think it's almost worth early picking. Um, 
maybe less so if you're like a full ice, you know, you're drafting you're like a full ice Lexi, but especially in sealed or something like that, we're usually going to be dual elements anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't discount, you know, flipping a, uh, using flexibility to flip an ice card and creating a frostbite and then doing the hood as well. That's also very, very good. Um, so yeah, for me, C plus B minus here. Yeah. I think I was thinking about that last one primarily, like, you know, you fuse on your turn, you sit into Arsenal, you're like kind of crappy fuse card. That's like a blue or something. And then this allows you to basically get that back to hand after flipping it up to get the effect from Lexi. Um, but I guess as well, you know, the, the impact of actually just guaranteeing double arrow is, is really important. And there's not a lot of ways to do that in this deck, given that Shivers are once per turn instance. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll come up to a C+. Plus. I think um, I think you've, you've talked me around a little bit on that one, Brendan. For sure, Hayden. And I want to talk to you about another kind of macro concept in the in the set design is that you can see is that there's a lot of cards that help you clear bad arsenals, right? So a lot of stuff that lets you put your arsenal on your bottom of your deck or in some way manipulate your arsenal. The reason for that is, is like um, Fuse and like inherently encourages to encourages you to arsenal bad cards right like just arsenal the ice card um that you've used to fuse and you'll see a lot of cards in this set help you clear that arsenal so um it's definitely a concept uh and cards like this really help you do that it's so interesting it's like a real contrast to monarch where monarch really encouraged strong five card hands so it really encouraged you to sandbag some really important effects in order to you know grow big five card hands that could push a lot of damage you know if you look at Bolton, almost so many cards in Bolton did that, whether it was like your, you know, Dust Path, whether it was via the Vanguard, even in Prism, you had cards like this as well. There's just so many effects that, that did this. So whereas this is like, it encourages you to play five cut hands, but not not in the same way. Basically, it's encouraging you to Arsenal, but not necessarily play a five cut hand. So it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Awesome. So next we have Bolton Shot. This is a rare Ranger action arrow attack. We're looking at the red one here. It costs zero. It attacks a four in defense for Thee. And it says, while Bolton Shot's attack is greater than its base attack, it has go again. And if it hits, reload. So for me, this is a solid B. Um, it feels kind of on the same power level. You know, it might be B plus as well, but it feels on the same power level to me as Take Flight and Monarch. Um, obviously this is rare, so you don't get a lot, but I think if you ever open this in Ranger, you're probably playing it. Just the idea of being able to have an arrow that has go again, almost inherently, you do have to pump it, right? But Shiver can help you do that. And then if you hit, you reload. So you get another arrow into Arsenal, even if you're using Shiver's ability. Um, pretty much everything about this card is good. It also, like we said, it blocks for three. So I'm a big fan of Bolton Shot and it's not like obviously it's kind of like a build around like b plus you know kind of maybe even getting up to a minus amazing build around but i don't think you have to build around for this to be a great card in your deck so i'm a big fan of bolton shot yeah i mean i just think this is just a good solid card to me it feels like one of the more important ways to enable your go wide turns into you know this with just one shiver activation is five with go again at red or you know four with a yellow which is um, also important because of the on-hit effect of the reload, right? So the yellow and the red, I both really like. Blue, I think, is a little bit less exciting to me. That might be like a, a bit of a lower grade, but I would give this like a B, maybe even B+. Plus. I'm thinking I'm going to stick with B now on the aggregate, but mm. yeah, card seems like it's going to be really important to what um, what Lexi wants to do. And also the, the fact that this is uh, non-denominational, I'm going to say. It's not a, it's not lightning, it's not ice. Uh, it's actually, although it seems like it might be a little bit awkward in some instances this doesn't require fuse right so there is a lot of effects that are powerful in lexi but they require fuse whereas this is one that doesn't so just a straight good card 100 percent. moving on we've got a ranger non-attack action in the form of overflex so overflex is again yeah, non-attack action at ranger cost one and says your next arrow attack this turn gains plus four has reload and go again and defends for two so we're looking at the red one here and we say plus four so yellow is plus three blue is plus two um 
I've gone back and forth on this card. When I first read this card, I was like, oh, this card's going to be, you know, really strong and really solid with the buffs, so really important. Um, but actually, there's a lot of, you know, like, I think of a card like Icequake, for instance, which we'll get to in Ice, like, that's much more of a card that I want to play as a buff than something like Overflex, because that's, not only is it an element card, you know, it has it is an Ice card, uh, but also it has an on-hit effect. This does have Reload, which is important. Like, there isn't a lot of good ways to reload in uh, Lexi. So, you know, if you are playing a more arrow heavy strategy or you're in like, you know, like this kind of hybrid ice lightning arrow deck or just, yeah, maybe one or the other, uh, I think a card like this is going to be important to you. I think this probably for me falls around at like a, like a C plus uh, for the blue and yellow. The red might be a C. And the reason I like the blue and yellow more as well is that the, the buff this gives for the on hit effect to take to break points. Uh, I don't think there's much difference between like a yellow and a red, for instance, um, to where your breakpoints are going to go. You still get the reload, you still get all the effects, uh, but you can use it as a resource card early if needed. Yeah, it's interesting, the reload on this card. Um, I played this card quite a few times because I drafted Lexi. I would actually uh, choose to not use the reload ability, mm-hmm. mostly because like the reason I'm using this is for the pump. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other pumps in the format. Uh but I want to give that arrow to dominate the arrow that I pumped. So, uh, you know, I will not choose to reload here. I will use shiver and then I'll play the arrow usually. So for me, this card is a C plus. This guy, this card goes up in value for me for quite a few reasons. As Lexi, you're likely to have a lot of opponents to try to fatigue you because you don't have a weapon. This card can be crucial for closing out the game with a big dominate. Um, on the other hand, this card is fantastic on the second cycle of the deck and you can set up an arrow and have with a na- like a nasty on hit trigger. I actually think that that's, this is kind of, Cards like this is how you win the game as Lexi. A lot of people found during the world premiere that they were just losing and not having enough tax and, you know, basically the definition of getting fatigued. Uh, Lexi does seem like it is a deck that you either have to draw really hot, get a lot of dominate, um, just kind of run your opponent down, or you do need to, in the classic Ranger fashion, stack a big kind of go tall turn and finish the game out. That's also why I think I like the the yellow and reds as well, is that ability to stack the end game a lot easier than if it's a red. Especially because there's, mm-hmm. there's actually, we'll talk about it, but... There's not many ways to tuck cards in this format. There's the equipment, which we'll, we'll talk about when we get to it, but not a lot of ways to, to, tuck, to tuck cards to the bottom of your deck. Mm-hmm. For sure. So next we have uh, you know, a rune blade card here. We have Rosetta Thorn, the weapon. Um, it's a rune blade weapon, sword, two-hander. Uh, it attacks for two. And it says, once per turn action, one resource, attack. Whenever you attack with Rosetta Thorn, if you've played an attack action card and a non-attack a non-attack action card this turn, deal two arcane damage to target hero. So in my opinion, this weapon is nuts. The secondary ability is not easy to get off all the time, um, especially in sealed, but the two arcane damage is so, so, so powerful. And it, you can really um, kind of grind people out with that. And obviously in this format, there's no spell void. There's no arcane barrier. It's totally unblockable. So a very, very nice uh, addition to the Runeblade class. And Briar just absolutely loves this weapon. Yeah. I, I don't traditionally like one-costed weapons uh, because in most, I think, in, when you look at the game of Flesh and Blood, a lot of turn cycles, you want to use your weapon for efficiency of winning a turn cycle. So whether that be, like, if I take, you know, like Romping Club, for instance, at a, at a, it's two for four, right? If I block with three cards and then attack with that, I can trade a 13 damage uh, turn cycle, right? So some of the one-cost cards I've, I've never loved as much, you know, even like Dawnblade to an extent as well. Um, but in the set it's so synergistic and the effect like you talked about with turn cycles earlier right with our old times weapon you're not necessarily looking to just set up turn cycles with your weapon you're actually looking to use that maybe as more of a tempo play late game um and it's not actually constructing cycles around around your weapon purely and this is kind of similar right like this comes on having really good synergistic cards in your deck and then basically just when you're attacking with this you're probably 
doing it because you've set up the turn, right? You're coming in for, for four damage split over two sources, uh, two of that being pure damage in the form of arcane that you can't defend. So um, yeah, I think this is, is, is really strong. Gonna move on to our first uh, piece of Rublade equipment, which is the common Sutcliffe Suede Hides. So again, defense for zero and has an attack reaction that costs one. It says destroy Sutcliffe Suede Hides, target attack action card gains go again. Activate this ability only if you've played a non-attack action card this turn. Um, Brennan, I'm going to let you start with some. Yeah, so for <laughs> me, this is a B plus, A minus. It's obviously one of the strongest equipment pieces uh, in the set. Um, but like most equipment pieces, it's not really competing with a lot. So if you open it in sealed, of course you're going to play it. But what you need to ask yourself is, is this drawing me to Runeblade? Like, if I open this, am I particularly drawn to play Briar? Um, because I open this. Like Refraction Bolters would be if you were playing Warrior and Welcome to Wraith. And I think so, yes. Because this is probably one of the best cards to help you make a ton of, uh, of you know embodiment of Earth tokens, which is really what you want to do as Briar. Obviously, Briar is based around arcane damage, um, non-attack actions, attack actions. But making those embodiment of Earth tokens and having your non-attack actions block for four and sometimes even five, which is just kind of how you do it, it's so good. Like uh, That's really what can't be understated is the defense value of Briar when she does have those tokens. Um, for me, is what makes the class, in my opinion, very, very good. Yeah, yeah. I actually compare this a little bit to Snapdragon Scalers, but it's, it's very different. So Snapdragon Scalers, you would often use to create some tempo plays off like low card hands like you might have a, a card like wounding blow that would attack for four and then you might have your weapon attack and you could use a you know two card hand that could really swing some tempo back this on the other hand really screams to me that you want to use this in like four or five card hands to set up really big turns that create like you say a number of embodiment tokens um embodiment of earth tokens and the reason for that as well is this costs one so it is a cost but if you're setting up the turn already you're using these resources uh to play non-attack actions to play an attack action um you can set up some really strong turns here so i think this like you say is actively going to pull me into playing you know playing briar because i know that i have a way to set up a really strong win condition probably um which is you know always something that i'm looking at so and yeah next we have i was just gonna okay. say grade wise i'd probably give i to be honest i'd probably give this an a minus i think if we talk about the grade uh i think maybe b plus but i think this card is really really strong i think it's, it's going to pull me to the class so i'm gonna go a minus Mm -hmm. And next we have Sigil of Suffering. Um, this is a Runeblade defense reaction at rare. Looking at the red one here, it costs zero defense for three, and it says deal one arcane damage to um, to the attacking hero, and says if you have dealt arcane damage this turn, Sigil of Suffering gains plus one defense. So in this format, in limited Tales of Aria, this will almost always be defending for four at red. Obviously, I think that they would have to have the, the legendary ice chest to be able to stop that. Uh, but for me, this is a B or B plus. I think that it is very color dependent. Um, I like the red a lot more than I like uh, the blue because obviously blocking for four is kind of the key number in Flesh and Blood. But this card, in my opinion, is fantastic. There's a lot of dominate in the format. There's a lot of things that have on-hit triggers in the format. Um, so both being able to defense react out of Arsenal or just block for four for zero, it's so, so good. Yeah, I mean, there's not many ways to win the game at uh, on your opponent's turn. And in, in Flesh and Blood Limited, and and Sigil of Suffering is definitely one of those. You know, I think the red, as you say, is really strong because it's a defend for four uh, that's effectively net five damage because of the one damage the other way, which is just really important for stopping. You know, like on hit effects at four with one card, so that's super relevant. But even at yellow and blue, uh, this is a card that either you can, you know, yellow is still a net four damage, which is, is pretty important for a zero cost that doesn't cost and it doesn't take an attack action from you. Uh, sorry, a action point from you. But also, you can pitch the yellow and blue to end game. Your opponent has to consider this card. Like it is, 
these get you know you can have really tight games in this format coming down to one or two life right and um if you've you know be able to deal one arcane damage on their turn and then maybe another one or two on your turn uh you know three or four could be a life threshold where your opponent just can't afford to go down to otherwise they probably die so um, i actually really like all the colors i'd probably just give us a b plus but this is a card that i'm going to shout out might be the one that i think surprises us in this format and becomes just one of the best cards uh, i think defense reactions as we said are at a real premium um this can of course you know be played from arsenal to stop dominate effects things like that so uh, the blue and the yellow might also have a, a lot of value which i'll be yeah be really surprised um i think this this could sort of this could rise in value i think yeah for sure um i think that you know the red already is one of the best cards in the format mm -hmm. but the kind of the thing pulling it back uh, or at least keeping it reasonable is that it is a rare so you won't have a ton of them um, but yeah, I mean, defending zero for four and dealing an arcane damage and you know, potentially killing your opponent on their turn. So, so, so good. Yep. Moving on, we've got Singing Steel Blade. This is a rune blade attack action. Uh, we're looking at the yellow here. It costs one, attacks for three, and defends for three. And it says, when you attack with Singing Steel Blade, deal one arcane damage to target hero. Really familiar name there, Brennan. Uh, so <laughs> mm, yeah, little, definitely a little plan words for Singing Steel Blade back in Welcome to Wraith. Yeah. Dorinthia's favorite, uh, favorite attack reaction. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the fact this has pure damage attached to it uh, with the, the one arcane damage. So at, at yellow, blue, red, it's all going to deal one arcane damage to your attacks, obviously what's moving here. So um, we saw this, you know, a lot with like Vixie Malice, for instance, is a card that you could compare this to from uh, from Monarch. That dealt, of course, two arcane damage, but had a you know similar return rate on the attack, just one less damage. So at red, this is still trading five net damage just across two sources. Um, I actually really like the fact that this in some ways is one you know if you're taking with this for red uh you got one pure damage and then one uh physical damage that could leak through on a block for three and if you've got some sort of buff as well or some sort of on hit effect that you can add to it that's really relevant so i think this card's really strong it also defends for three uh you know briar really wants to hit those uh arcane effects to turn on the hero ability get those embodiment tokens so yeah i think this is just like a, a really solid card i think this is probably a c plus for me i think the red may even be like a, a b minus b Mm -hmm, for sure important to note i don't know if we've said it quite yet but if you do uh attack with this and let's say it leaks the one damages at red and you hit with the arcane damage you create two embodiment of her tokens so that's what makes this so good um this card for me is a c plus or b the red actually creeps up to like a b plus maybe low a minus like it is absolutely what you want to open when you open briar like it's so good um because you're only like most turns when you attack with reds, obviously we're talking about the red here. When you talk about red singing steel blade, you are going to get two embodiment of earth tokens, which will make your non-attack actions block for four. Um, so yeah, probably one of the one of the scarier cards that you have to face off against when you play against Briar. Yeah. So and just to just to clarify the joke is this is singing steel blade, not singing steel blade, but it's uh, you know it's very similar. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to call it singing steel blade. I just know it. For sure. So next we have Plume of Evergrowth. It's an Earth Equipment Head. It defends for zero. It's a common. And it says instant three resources. Destroy Plume of Evergrowth. Return target Earth Action Card or Earth Instant Card from your graveyard to your hand. Hayden, I know you are very excited about this card. So why don't you give me your thoughts first? Oh, please, please. So yeah, we're moving into the Earth cards here. This is the first element we're going through. And what I want to start with, to be honest, Plume of Evergrowth, when I saw this card, just looking through the limited spoilers, there's a few cards, and I think about limited specifically, that I was really excited about. This is definitely one of them. To me, this looks like one of the strongest cards in the set uh, from a limited aspect. And that is just purely because it's an onboard effect where you can turn a blue card from your hand into the best card into your, in your deck. Uh, effectively late game, right? So you can 
you can be pitching blues, you can be playing your uh, fix out, you can be holding your life total, and then you just know that you have this plume of evergrowth. And when you set up, you know, say two or three blues at the bottom of your deck, you just know that late game, I can just draw into my hand of blues. I'm turning one of those blues into just the best card that I've already played this game, which is probably going to be the best card in your deck as soon as this gets either an earth action or an earth instant. Um, and there's a lot of you know really strong earth cards. You know, it might not be so. It might not be the best card in your deck, but it's going to be really relevant either as a uh, as an attack to then fuse and then play afterwards. Uh, you know, if I think about something like Evergreen or uh, even just like the vanilla ones, <clears throat> so you can put more red density back into your deck, uh, or you can get a you know a buff if you've got a dominant card. Like there's just you can just turn this into so many different effects. So to to be honest to me, I think this is like going to be an A. I'm going to give this an A minus, and you know what? I could be wrong. This might not be as important as I think it is, but just the effect itself and the ability to be able to just have a win condition basically on the table, and in, in my eyes, I think is really powerful. Yep, this lands at uh, kind of B plus A minus for me as well. Uh, it's a bit interesting to evaluate some of the armor in this set because it is almost usually not competing with anything else. But for all the reasons Hayden said, this card is very, very, very good. Um, also, its effect being an instant is awesome as well. Uh, I think you know you're probably grabbing you know your strongest earth you know attack action usually like an end game scenario. Maybe you've pitched too many blues, all these kind of things. But yeah, very, very good card, and I'm a big fan. Yeah, it can just bail you out of situations, right? If you pitch a bunch of blues, you can actually bail yourself out by having this card available to you to turn into some gas, which is also you know, another reason. For sure. So next we have Everdrone. I'm kidding. It's called Evergreen. <laughs> it's a earth action attack. Uh, we're looking at the red one here. It costs three, it attacks for seven, and it defends for two. And it says, if Evergreen is played from Arsenal, put it on the bottom of your deck when the combat chain closes. So for me, this card is a B minus or B. The drone effect is really, really good. It's great, um, but the card is ultimately a bit lower power level uh, in the format with the, with its two defense value. I think it's a great card in a vacuum, but it's a bit bit worse when you consider uh, you know how powerful some of the synergies in the format are. With that being said, what makes this card so awesome for me in my mind is that you know this can be a resource card in the sense that like this is the card that you fuse with, then it's naturally going to go in Arsenal. So its Arsenal effect is very, very you know is relevant and most of the time it will end up in arsenal because you're you know the turn where you draw it you're probably using it to fuse and then the turn after that you're playing it out of arsenal so i like evergreen um and obviously we know drone effects are are powerful yeah i mean even you know something like unhallowed rights in the last set that uh got your card to the bottom of your deck was relevant i think you know this is this is not drone right one of the powerful effects about drone is that you could defend with it uh early game and then get back late game and have this this red or this resource card in your deck but in saying that, one of the, the tough things about this format is there's so many, you know, effects that want you to fuse to get power out of your cards. Like a lot of the power of the set comes from fuse effects. So there's going to be a lot of cards that you really don't want to put in your arsenal after you fuse. Evergreen's not one of them, right? Like this is a powerful effect out of arsenal. So this is exactly the kind of thing that I want my my fuse cards to be doing, whether it be at, you know, blue, whether it be yellow, whether it be at red, and of course, because I can get it back. Um, I'd probably give this a, a B plus for the red, and I think B for the yellows and blues. Mm-hmm. Moving on, we've got Weave Earth. So Weave Earth is an uh, Earth non-attack action. It says the next Earth or Elemental attack action card you play this turn gains plus three attack. Uh, if it's fused, instead it gains plus four and has go again. And we're looking at the red one here. So uh, blue has you know plus one and or plus two, and yellow has plus two or plus three. Um, yeah, I mean it's a non-attack action with go again, right? Which is you know it's a big tick for Briar. Uh, it pumps up dominated attacks, which is you know a tick for 
uh, all time as well. So it's good in both heroes and even non-fused. It only reduces by one. It costs zero, which is actually really important because of some of the cost structures of the cards that you might want to play this on. Um, and yeah, the effect that it just kind of has this upside of fuse. I feel like you're going to play this card a lot more often unfused than you are fused, but it does have this ability where if you just have the card, the next card you play is going to be an earth card or an element card, uh, elemental card. Um, you know, you get this ability to fuse. So I think it's yeah, I think it's it's pretty good. What's your rating? I would just give this. I think I'd give this a, a B minus. I think it does everything that you wanted to do and has upside. Sweet for me, this uh, this is a B. Like seeing this effect costing zero, and then you know it having you know it not being totally blanked if you don't fuse. So if you think about a card like Invigorate, it literally does nothing if you don't fuse. Um, this is also an Earth card, so it can be used as a resource to pay for fuse. You know, it is your fuse card. It also has benefit. You know, the extra plus at red, the extra plus four. If you fuse the kind of the power ceiling on this is really really high, um, and I would say that it's it's a B. Um, there's a build around, and the the power level of kind of the build around on this is is you know the sky is kind of the limit in drafts. Like you can do some definitely do some yeah. degenerate stuff. That being said, this isn't your sealed pool. This is a great second cycle of the deck card, and I really love you know kind of getting this down at the bottom of your deck, setting up a hand where you have this with um, with an earth card that you're gonna fuse, and yeah. Um, I think it's a powerful card, so I'm going to be slightly ahead of you at a B. Cool. Next card is Summerwood Shelter. Uh, so Summerwood Shelter is a Earth instant. We're looking at the blue here, cost zero, and it says target defending Earth or Elemental action card gains plus two defense. So you know, a yellow we've got plus three defense. Every we've got plus four. Tell you what, I didn't really like reinforce the line, uh, and I think this is a you know a slightly better but more conditional reinforce the line. Of course, this only works on Earth or Elemental actions. So I'm not really a big fan of this card. I think the if you are playing um, if you are playing I guess a deck that is really high in elemental earth cards, you know you're playing a single element deck. I think this is going to be a lot more uh, valuable to you, especially because I think you know you might need to be playing the and, and Brendan might have an, a view on this. I think you might might be needing to play some of the resource cards like this uh, because of the earth ability, um, and then also just allows you then put it into arsenal and then you know make a block on your next turn five, and you effectively get to cycle that kind of fuse card out that you don't necessarily want, but you get defensive value out of it. So um, yeah, interesting one. And what's your what's your rating? I, to be honest, I'd probably give this a, a D plus. I think maybe it's a C minus. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Maybe it has a bit more effect than I think. Yeah. So for me, it's a C minus because it's decent for fuse. Um, but the defensive kind of effect here, needing a hidden earth or you know kind of an earth or elemental action. Uh, it's really, really bad. <laughs> also, blocking for zero is pretty bad. Um, I, most of the time, I can only imagine I'm avoiding putting this in my deck, uh, especially my sealed decks. But I'll have to see how this kind of plays out in draft. This is definitely one, this is one of those volatile ones where it could change quite a bit. Um, so right now, it's a C, it's a C minus, and I'm usually avoiding it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good it's a good resource for fuse, and you'll find when you play sealed that you're actually like really looking for um, extra earth cards or extra ice cards to kind of meet a decent ratio level, so that you can kind of consistently fuse when you want to. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be good for. I don't think it's going to go up much further for you, Brendan. I think it might go up for me because I'm at a D plus, but I don't think it's going to go up for you. <laughs> so next we have Autumn's Touch. This is an Earth action attack at common. We're looking at the red one here. It costs three. It attacks for seven and it blocks for three. And it has no text. It's all flavor text. So for me, this is actually a B minus. Um, I know this is not an exciting card, but it's as good as it gets for fuse cards and uh, most of the time. And I actually love this card, Winter's Grasp, um, and the Lightning one. I think it's like Heaven's Claws. Uh, if I'm playing Earth, 
I'm usually early picking this in draft because it's so, so, so safe. There's really, this is like, I think in draft, like these cards are actually so premium. A earth card that blocks for three and comes in for a decent amount, whether that be five at blue, it's going to be a pretty decent blue, or seven at red. Uh, very good things. And they're just, it's such a safe pick early and in sealed. Like, I think this is the bread and butter. Like, I want more block threes. I want the, the aggregate defensive value of my deck to go up. And things like Autumn's Touch, Winter's Grass, this is how I do it while still having those fuse cards and being able to do the powerful things that this set you know, wants me to do. Yeah, these cards, as you said, they just do everything you need. And I think the, the full cycle in that regard probably sits around the same for me. I think probably I would give this a, a C plus. I think it, to, to get to a B, I think for me, it needs to be able to have a bit of a higher ceiling. And I don't think this card has, like it's, it's ceiling and it's floor are basically the same, to be honest. They're very similar. Um... But in saying that, like as like you say, in draft, for instance, I think this card goes up in value because I think you actually actively want to pick these cards early. It leaves you open, as you say, but it does everything that you might need to do, whether regardless if you be uh, you be all time or you be um, Briar, which I think is is really important. So yeah, I probably land on a, a C plus there. Next, Brendan, we've got Breakground. So Breakground is a, another Earth attack action. Uh, we're looking at the blue one here. It costs three and attacks for five, so yellow six, red seven, and defense for two. And it says, when you attack with Breakground, you may put a card from your arsenal on the bottom of your deck. If you do, draw a card. So another one of these effects that allows you to get rid of, you know, poor, I guess, arsenal cards from Fuse that you've used uh, and turn it into another card, which is actually really relevant. This is, uh, you know, another, this is one way to tuck, which we haven't, we haven't really seen to tuck cards to the bottom of your deck. Um, so Breakground's, you know, quite interesting. I think the, the buff isn't worth the defensive downside. Personally, I think that two defenses is really going to be relevant um and it does cost three so you know it just costs your full blue yeah i think the, the the upside really of that putting that fuse card at the bottom i think you can't underrate that but i think this just sits at like a c minus maybe c for me yeah i mean this is like a quintessential c minus for me uh obviously clearing like a terrible card of your arsenal is good but most of the time your arsenal is actually not terrible even if you're using that one to fuse uh you can oftentimes fit a decent card there so this ends up kind of most of the time looking like autumn's touch but blocking for two so um yeah for me it's definitely a c minus yeah so next we have uh is this burgeoning is yep. that how you say it burgeoning. so it's an earth act yeah earth action attack at common we're looking at the red one here it uh costs two attacks for six blocks for two and it says if burgeoning has been played from your arsenal it gains plus one attack so this for me is a C minus or a D. I think it's cute, but there's so many other cards with powerful effects that take up the arsenal slot. In this format, I just don't think you want to be arsenaling uh, burgeoning most of the time. Um, and it's very, very unexciting. Yeah. So I don't know, Hayden. I think we have a, a quite yeah. a quite a different quite a different view here. But uh, burgeoning was actually like probably one of the top earth cards I would cut from my deck. Uh, maybe you know the one that buffs the defensive value. I would cut that one before, but burgeoning not not exciting at all for me oh, interesting i think this is the first one we've probably had a, a full almost a full grade of disparity between i have this as a c plus i actually think this card's great and I, I could have this wrong in terms of the way that the play the play patterns play out but the fact that this is you know a card that you can reveal to fuse uh, at red you can then come in for seven for two gives you one resource if you're playing with blues to you know play a buff effect or whatever it might be but the other thing uh, that i think it does which is quite important is that this allows you to pitch yellows and, and play out an attack which we've not like a lot of the cards so far we've talked about that you might want to fuse either seem to be like zero cost or three cost 
Um, and so I think a two cost is, is pretty relevant. Although we're about to move on to another earth card that costs two that is probably a lot better to be honest. But I'm going to say C plus, maybe C, but I actually, I think I like this card. I think I like uh, the ability to to get that extra breakpoint damage uh, out of Arsenal. The fact you know that your your yellows and your blues come in for five and six uh, out of Arsenal after being used as fuse card seems kind of relevant to me. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Anyway, speaking of a two-cost card that is Earth that you do want to probably be fusing a lot more maybe <laughs> is Earth or Surge. So uh, I was probably a bit down on this card. But anyway, Earth or Surge is a two-cost uh, Earth action. We're looking at the red one here and it says the next attack action card you play this turn gains plus five and go again and defends for two really important to note this just says the next attack action card so it doesn't matter yes. if it's elemental or and i think that's what i missed to be honest ridiculously important actually like this is what makes this card so good is that it literally goes on anything so like you can like you can play this and play your one card i mean there's most things in the set are very conditional this one is not surprisingly so um yeah, for this one, this card is actually like a C plus and it borders on a B minus for me at red. Mm -hmm. um, I actually love this card in Ultim. Um, plus five is just so good in a format full of block twos. And yeah, I just love being able to come in for sometimes 13 or maybe 15 damage um, with a non-hit effect with, with a card like this. And I don't feel very limited you know, if I end up putting this in Arsenal because it just it's an attack action card. It's very modal and it's very dynamic in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it's great in both the Earth decks because even, you know, old time isn't going to go wide, but this is huge to go tall. And as well as if you have an on-hit effect, it's even better. If you um able to dominate, even better. I mean, I saw I saw Brennan play this on a um, on an on-hit ice effect card and come in for, I think it was for nine uh, on a, you know, on a turn. And I just felt like that's really strong to be able to do off, off a three-card hand or four-card hand, sorry. So, um yeah, I mean, I, I like this card a lot. I think it probably sits around a C plus for me as well. Maybe I'd downgrade my um, burgeoning to a C. But uh, yeah, I think this is also relevant in, in uh, Briar as well, just given the fact that it's a non-attack action. It has go again and buffs your attack. So it you can get you to break points for um, for creating embodiment tokens. Mm -hmm. And next we have So Tomorrow. This is an Earth action at common. It costs one. We're looking at the red one here. It blocks for two. And it says... Put target earth or elemental action card with cost zero or greater from your graveyard on the bottom of your deck. Banish so tomorrow. And it says, if so tomorrow is played from your arsenal, draw a card. Um, so tomorrow also has Gogan. Hey, I think I might have took your, your card reading here, so I'm going to let you go ahead and give us your thoughts first. No, I think it was yours. I, I read, uh, I read I Earth or Surge, but that's fine. I can go first anyway, because I think we've got a, a disparity in grade. I think as I'm going through and, and talking about some of these, some of my grades are shifting slightly. Um, I do like this card. I like the effect, the effect that, you know, you can have this as a fuse card and then turn it and then cycle it effectively. But I, my initial read is that putting, you know, a powerful uh, card back on the bottom of your deck, so Earth or Elemental, I think the fact that it's Elemental as well is really important because there's a lot of where your powerful fuse is obviously coming from. Um, back on the bottom is is like is important. That feels important to me, considering it feels like the second cycle of the deck might matter more than it has in other formats. I could be wrong. It could be a lot faster than I think, but um, I do like this card. I, to me, this felt to me like a, a C plus B minus, but uh, I could be I could be overrating this slightly. Yeah. So for me, this is uh, probably a C in Briar and then like a D in Oldham. Um, again, I think the the effect is cute, and drawing a card is great, replacing itself. But Arsling this card is just so weak, in my opinion. Um, Summer Demon qualities in Briar because of the web, you know, triggering her weapon yeah. to get two arcane damage. Um, this is also this card is also really good in Briar for recurring cards that can do arcane damage, which is a great end game plan. Um, 
cards like this are good to Arsenal. You know, obviously, like we talked about after your fuse, the fact that it replaces itself if you do that um, does does. I mean, that's the argument for the C in my opinion. The effect itself is, I think, is quite weak. But the fact that you can um, use this as your fuse cost and then Arsenal, and then when you play it out of Arsenal, it replaces itself. Um, pretty good. But again, it's it's one of the ones I'm least excited to uh, to put in that Arsenal slot. We've got to talk about this one. That's super interesting to me. I would think that... The, so you think the effect of putting, you know, like a, one of your best cards in the bottom of your deck is just not relevant? I just don't think that So Tomorrow out of my arsenal is exactly what I want to be doing in kind of the early to mid game. Um, it seems a bit... You know, like I want to be explosive turn to turn usually. Uh, that's how I felt in this format. Maybe because it's very early in the format, right? Like I haven't had too much experience with like being able to slow down the game. Uh, but what I found in the world premiere in Sealed is that the games were, you know, a lot of people were coming in with powerful stuff every single turn. Um, and so tomorrow probably just wouldn't be getting me excited. Whereas like if I had, you know, like we just talked about, like an Earthworm Surge in that Arsenal slot, um, that'd be much preferred. Yeah, I get Earthworm Surge, but like if I can give a, a, a bit of a play pattern here, right, is that you uh, set something like, I don't know, uh, an Autumn's Touch into your into your Arsenal, right, after you fuse. And then you draw into a powerful hand that has an elemental card, <clears throat> which is your power cards, right? So maybe it's a, a guardian elemental card or it's a, it's a bright elemental card that has a fuse effect. If your earth card is in your arsenal, it, it means that you're kind of committed to playing that, right? Like it's really hard for you to have this play pattern where you go, okay, well, I don't want to block this turn because, or I want to block with one card because I want to play out this really powerful card in my hand. But then you're, but then I can't fuse because I've got this card in my arsenal that's, that's choking out my arsenal, so I can't fuse. So that's one of the reasons I think the So Tomorrow is potentially a really powerful card, is that it lets you clear your arsenal. It turns that arsenal slot into a card from hand, into a card in hand. Yes, it costs one, but you do get a bit of an upside effect, and if you're setting up a, a four or five card hand anyway, the one the one resource isn't really going to matter, I would think. So to me, that feels like there's a powerful effect there, and and, and maybe it's only it's only reasonable, it's sort of like blue or yellow, like maybe the red is just, just never needed, it's just a bit of a trap. Um, but yeah, like that play patterns feels like it's going to come up more than uh, more than you might expect. Sure. So the inverse of that play pattern is you have your autumn's touch and arsenal. You draw four cards and you go, okay, I'm blocking with three cards this turn or two cards, right? And then I'm going to play out my autumn's touch and then arsenal card or just play out my autumn's touch. So you kind of realize you're going to play a defensive cycle, then come in for seven um, and try to you know win the cycle completely. That's that's the argument against it. But like you said. It replacing itself is something that I think we have to play more of the set to see how good that is. Obviously, just kind of like in a TCG theory based, like, uh, you know, theory perspective, like it's incredible. Um, but like, is this the card that you want to be arseling? Is it fast enough? Is it too slow? And is the effect good enough is something I'm not super sure on. So that's why I kind of landed in the C range. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go B minus for the yellow and the blue, and I think I'm gonna go for a C plus for the red. But I, yeah, I, I I'm gonna disagree with you on that. I think it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be the one we disagree about the most. I think there's because um, uh, you can even wait. to your even to your play pattern, right? You can still just clear the so from tomorrow because you draw another card and draw back into your pitch, even if it's a red. It just you can just straight up clear it, even if you make that play pattern. So just wait until we get to ball lightning. We're actually two letter grades off. <laughs> we actually okay. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah. Up next is Amulet of Earth, so our last Earth card at common and, and uh, rare. So first of all, Amulets as well. Amulet of Earth is a, a blue pitch card. It's not a cycle, this one, so it's uh, just the blue. It says go again, instant, destroy Amulet of Earth. Um, sorry, I should say it's an item. Very important, it's an item. So it says go again, and it has an effect. Instant, destroy Amulet of Earth. Attack action cards you control gain plus one and plus one. So plus one attack, plus one defense this turn. Activate this ability only if you've Earth fused this turn, and it does not defend. 
So, uh, you know, an onboard effect, effect, you know, effectively, you can get this to play early, and then when you do Earth Fuse, you can, of course, buff attacks for the turn. Uh, so this is, there is some defensive uh, implications for this with the Guardian defense reaction. So you can fuse Earth Fuse and then give plus one. I think that's going to be really, really niche, and I think more so you're going to use this to uh, hit breakpoints. So you might come in with an Earth Fuse card, maybe with an on-hit effect or in Briar, where you want to create an embodiment of Earth, and this is going to allow you to get that breakpoint across the line. It's always going to be on the field, so your opponent has to kind of play around that. I think that's actually one of the strongest impacts of these amulets is that your opponent has to always consider how you could use the amulet in the uh, in your turn cycle. So yeah, I think this actually is probably, I think this might be the weaker of the weakest of the three, Brennan. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I'd probably give this a C. I agree that I think this is the weakest of the three. Um, for me, this is like a C minus or a C. I think the instant speed is, you know, the redeeming quality here. Um, but, you know, I'd probably play one as a you know, as a resource to fuse or like an, another earth card to fuse with. But most of the time, this plus one is not too crazy. But again, it's one of those things where I think this could be a bit variable as we play the more, you know, play more of the set and realize like how powerful getting that pump is or getting that extra defensive value. But at face value, like this kind of pales in comparison to something like uh, the ice amulet. Mm -hmm. oh. And speaking of ice amulet, should we move on to ice? <laughs> yeah, so next we have Code of Frost. This is an ice equipment chest at common. It defends for zero, and it says action. Destroy Code of Frost. Um, create a Frostbite token under target hero's control. Go again. Um, yeah, so Code of Frost for me is a C+. Uh, you know, creating a Frostbite on demand is really, really good. And that also kind of plays out like you know if we talk about like competitive limited games where you're coming down to the wire at least in monarch it was all about pivot turns right like you would try to have enough of a life buffer to pull off your pivot turn um and defend probably as least as possible to play that five card hand well imagine if we were in monarch which we're not but imagine if you could pop something just on your turn and just be like okay add an additional resource to your pivot turn like it can be so devastating so i think this card is actually incredibly powerful so c plus uh, maybe getting up to that B minus, but just being able to kind of do this, you know, if you when you know your opponent's going to try to go off, can just totally screw up all their math, and they kind of have to always think about it. So, mm -hmm. um, really tough card to deal with. Yeah, I would say the the one thing is that's really key to notice this is an action, not an instant. So, if you are say playing an attack on your turn, you would need to make the decision before you play the attack to give them the the frost uh, frostbite token, which is going to give them a lot of information, right? So, say you decide to create the frostbite token, and then you come in with a big attack. Uh, well, they might be more inclined to just commit their cards to the block and just kind of take next turn off. But that's not a bad thing, right? Like that can actually help you swing tempo, help you swing momentum. You can also inversely use this on a turn where you're coming in with a you know reasonably weak turn, but you can actually make sure that they can't pivot by creating this frost token first, come in with a reasonably you know like average turn. But you would make sure that because of the the cost impact, they're probably not going to be able to pivot. So I think this card has like a lot of play to it from both sides of the table, where both players can sort of um, interpret this card and, and play. Uh, structures around it so yeah i would i would land on a c plus as well i think you're um if you're sitting in ice you're probably you know probably gonna want this card next we've got frostfang which has been one of my favorite cards from the previous season i think you know the art's cool i think the flavor it's cool i think the effect is really cool and this is one of the first disruptive effects we saw uh, it's a ice action attack so we're looking at the yellow one here cost two and attacks for four defense for two it says if frostfang hits a hero they discard a card unless they pay two um and so the the red yellow blue all have that same effect it's just the attack value that's going to change i think this card is is pretty strong it's an ice attack that's going to help you reveal to fuse that you're going to want to have 
uh, it has a really relevant on-hit effect. So playing this in conjunction with pumps and things like that as well is going to be is also going to be really strong. Uh, the two, the two, the pay two or discard, I think is really important because if it was pay one, for instance, you would often just see people, you know, actually pitching a red card and, and setting that up for late game. Like that's actually kind of not necessarily that big a downside, right? I pitch this red stuff late game, but paying two means they're going to have to probably pitch a resource card, which is not what they want to be at. They want to be at, um, <clears throat> probably setting that resource card up for next turn or, you know, using it to pay for stuff. So I really like the two cost on this. I think probably I land at like a, a C plus, um, maybe the yellow I actually like the best, I think, because it has a, a four attack. So the the leak or the on hit, sorry, the breakpoint of four is really relevant for um, the on hit effect. So I'd probably give the yellow a B minus, I think. Yeah, so for me, this is a, a C or a C plus, and I think it's a B minus in Lexi, um, especially at yellow. So in Lexi, you can have a lightning card in Arsenal, like a Shock Striker. You can flip it with Lexi's ability, um, get go again from that, and then play Shock Striker for five, and then this for five as well if you're playing it at red with only just one blue. So that's going to be 10 damage plus a non-hit trigger. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty explosive turn we're talking about, you know, playing like two generics, which doesn't even sound like, you know, something that Lex is going to be trying to be doing. You know, we think about Lex, we think about dominating arrows on hit effects with that. But, you know, Shock Striker for five and then Frostfang for four, Frostfang for five and threatening a discard trigger um, or discard effect is so, so, so good. So, yeah, for me, C or C plus and then a B minus in Lex. I think in old time, um, if we talk about this card in Oldheim, like you don't really want to be playing Oldheim and then just be like, okay, my turn is just play Frostfang. It's kind of weak. Um, it's good if you did end up blocking with something like you know three cards on your turn and then you have an, you have a discard trigger on your clap back. Um, but if you do kind of pump this up really high, it is you know your your opponent is incentivized to throw you know more cards at it, maybe even all cards, and so the discard effect is actually I think like less relevant mm-hmm. when it's okay. got more attack. So. Um, really like this in Lexi. It's still good in old time, but I'm not as excited about it. Yep, agree. All right, so next we have Icequake. This is an ice action at rare. Um, looking at the yellow one here, it blocks for two and costs one. It says your next action this turn gains plus two. Whenever an attack action, or sorry, whenever an attack hits a hero this turn, create a frostbite token under their control. Um, and this card has go again. So the red obviously getting plus three. Um, so for me, this is a, a C or b minus it's you know it really depends in the shell but the the on hit effect of this card is so so good it almost feels like a must block right because you're already giving a pump to something so the damage threshold is much higher um and then pass up there's going to be a relevant on hit effect in the frostbite token uh, frostbite tokens especially like you know let's say you're trying to reduce the amount of damage you're intaking you block with a few cards and knives all steal with the frostbite token can just totally throw off your turn so i'm a big fan of this card i love arsenaling this card i love using this card to you know as my fuse card, right? Like, so I'm, yeah, there's a fuse cost. I reveal Icequake and then I go ahead and Arsenal Icequake. Um, it's always a good time. Yeah, also important to note, this is this says whenever an attack hits a hero this turn. So it's not on the, mm-hmm. the attack that you yep. play it on. It doesn't say when this attack hits. So you could play this uh, in like a Alexi build. You, you know, you get to go again. Um, maybe you play this on like a Bolton shot, for instance. Then you, that gets blocked out. You play your next attack. You still have the on hit effect so it's um and it's not just the first time either you still you could hit with that effect you could hit with the next attack so you know it's really hard for your opponent to say well i'm not going to block an ice quake turn uh because it's really going to impact what happens next turn so yeah i would probably give this i think i'm landing at like a c plus right now but um this card has a, a lot of upside i think and i wouldn't be surprised if some of the cycles of this card bump up to like a, a b for me um next we've got weave ice weave ice is a ice action card so a non-attack action we're looking at the blue one here cost zero defense for two and says the next ice or elemental attack action card you play this turn gains plus one attack 
uh, if it's fused, it gains dominate, and of course the card is go again. So yellow, it's a plus two, red, it's a, it's a plus three. Um, I think this is a, a pretty reasonable enabler. You know, I don't think this is as good as something we, we just saw with uh, Icequake personally, but dominate is a pretty relevant. This is pretty relevant in condition, this card, so it can help you set up on conditions in the end game. I think I prefer uh, the blue pitch, for instance, just because of the ability to set this up late. Um, but yeah, I'd probably land it like a C, and maybe the blue is a C plus for me. Yep, this is a... <clears throat> kind of like a C to C plus for me. I think that I really like these cards that, you know, you're able to, you know, it has a huge bonus if you fuse it, so you can set it up for like a big turn. But if you don't, like it is still kind of a generic pump. Um, I think, you know, pitch stacking this or drawing it into a lucky hammer works. It's just so, so, so good. Um, especially in something like all time. I really love to see this card. Uh, and yeah, it's, I remember looking at it while I was drafting and, um, it was definitely one of the ones that gave me the most thoughts. So Weavice for me is a very, very good card. C plus or, you know, probably creeping up to B minus sometimes. Yeah. It's not inherently like, I think that a lot of these cards require a bit of like setup, right? In terms of, do you, it read is just plus three, which is, you know, it's like a, it's like a nimbleism kind of effect, which you're kind of just like, mm -hmm. it's okay. But I think the one thing, and the reason this probably doesn't get higher grades is that you've got a lot of cards in your decks that are going to require setup and require synergy. So, you know, there is some stuff that sometimes this deck, this card is just going to feel a bit bad, right? So. Yep. And next we have Icy Encounter. This is an ice action attack at common. We're looking at the red one here. It costs two. It attacks for six and it blocks for two. It says, if Icy Encounter hits a hero, create a frostbite token under their control. So for me, this is actually a C plus, even though it blocks for two and only comes in for six at red. I actually kind of like the yellow and blue a bit more. Um, the on hit here is just so so punishing. If you do have a turn where you kind of take you know you take uh, the, your opponent's turn cycle off, you block with uh, you know a few cards to reduce damage, and then you come with icy encounter. They can't really just like play a five card hand into you. They they usually have to try to block this or do something about it, or just change away their the way they're playing the next turn cycle because of the frostbite token. Um, so I really like this card and. You know, what adds to its power level is that it is a target for fuse. So, you know, something requires ice fusion, you reveal this, you put it in arsenal, and that next turn you, you can have that on hit effect with the frostbite token. So, I like Icy Encounter. What about you, Hayden? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I think one of the things I think about with, I agree with everything you just said. The one thing I'd add on to that as well is one of the things I think about with, um, I guess, turn cycles and structures with this format is that. You know, you've got something like the Icy Encounter. So say you fuse and reveal this card and then you put this into Arsenal. If you're coming with a big attack, it's really likely that your opponent's probably going to try and block it out. And this is like a dominate effect. So if we say that happens, then I'm thinking about my fuse cards. What's their impact on the next turn if I have a four or five card hand? And something like this, it kind of has a bit of a similar problem, I guess, with what I talked about with like uh, Autumn's Touch, where if you have a five card hand, uh, unless you have pumps or ways to give go again, these cards can be a little bit awkward to play out from your Arsenal. But this one in particular, the fact it has like an on-hit effect means that your opponent can't just do the other kind of structure, which is they take your big turn and they try and come back because you can block out with three cards and then just pitch and come in with this and you get to swing the tempo back in, in some way because of the on-hit effect. They can't just continue to try and hold the tempo, which is really important. So yeah, I'm a big fan of these um, these attack actions that have on-hit effects, I think, because of the ability to do this, just like Ice Fang as well. But um, I think this one, uh, probably even more so, to be honest. Next up, we've got Winter's Grasp. Winter's Grasp is our vanilla uh, ice attack action like Autumn's Touch from Earth. It's uh, a two-cost attack that defends for three. We're looking at the blue card here. Attacks for four. Um, and yeah, that's it. It just has some flavor text. So I think I would just have this in line with the, the other ones, I think, with Autumn Touch as well. So I think I've been giving these a C+. Brennan, I think you've had these at uh, slightly higher. 
These are a B minus for me. I love these cards. Like they're so good. They're, it's like the creme de la creme of fuse targets for me. I just love having the option to block for three and also having a fuse target. Um, block for three is really important in this format, especially if you're facing off against something like Briar, where if they hit you, they're going to be creating that embodiment of Earth token. So Winter's Grasp, Heaven's Claws, I think it is, and Autumn's Touch. I just really, really like these cards. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think the only thing that kind of doesn't quite get me there is the same thing I just said with uh, the Icy Encounter. The fact that if you are then playing a five-card hand next turn with this in Arsenal, it can be a bit awkward, especially if you're trying to fuse. But otherwise, you know, Defend for 3 is huge, which is uh, really important. Mm-hmm. And next we have Chill to the Bone. We're looking at the red one here. It's an Ice action, so a non-attack action, at common. Blocks for two. Um, it says, the next time an Ice or Elemental attack hits a hero this turn, create three Frostbite tokens under their control. It says go again. So for me, this is a C. Um, it's good, but most of the time, you know, this is pretty much you're going to make them block. Uh, they aren't going to take damage from it. So it is a good way to kind of force, you know, force, force two cards, force three cards, something like this. And I actually like putting this in Arsenal most of the time. Um, I have had some bad beats with it in terms of like when I played Oldheim. Um, I would fuse with this card, put it in Arstall, and then I didn't draw an attack action. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of an old hide thing sometimes. Uh, but other than that, like I really like if you create more than one frostbite token under your opponent's control, it's I mean, it's really, really bad for them. Um can usually kind of like almost blank their turn. Yeah. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I'm gonna give this a C. I think I was a bit higher on it, but as we've talked through this set, I might even think this is a C minus, to be honest. The more non-attack actions you have in your deck, the more that these can cost you, right? And as much as I think I've said so far, pretty obviously that I'm a fan of putting some non-attack actions into your arsenal with Fuse because they're a lot easier to play on big hands. Um, there's, a, there's a limit to that, right? And this one doesn't actually, it doesn't give you a buff. It does give you the on-hit effect, but effectively what that can just mean ends up happening is that uh, your opponent is just gets a, a more efficient block, a more efficient defensive mm-hmm. turn. So I'm not as big a fan of this card. I think I'm probably going to land on C- minus to be honest, Brennan. Yeah, makes sense to me because the same thing like you said, like it just makes the block more efficient, <laughs> Yeah, which is funny to say. Uh, next up, we've got Polar Blast, which is another Ice non-attack action. This one costs one, and we're looking at the red card here, Defense for two. It says that target opposing hero may pay three resources. If they don't, next your next attack this turn gains Dominate. And it says if Polar Blast is played from Arsenal, draw a card, go again. Uh, I think just, again, we're talking about non-attack actions, we're talking about non-attack actions that have Ice and are effective from Arsenal. This, for instance, is a lot better than, in my eyes, a lot better than uh, Chill to the Bone. Especially, uh, you know, because if your opponent does want to block out the attack for whatever reason, they do have to pay three resources. Um, they're already taking a card from their hand and then they're blocking out. I think the fact that this doesn't give any sort of other buff, so if they just don't care about the attack, this doesn't really impact them that much. Like Dominate, if they don't care about the attack, Dominate doesn't help anymore. Um, but the fact that this is a card that cycles from Arsenal like So um, does as well means that I, I think this card is pretty reasonable i'd probably say i think this is um like a, a c plus build around maybe a b minus build around because of the like if you have more on hit effects that are going to be really relevant especially to the lake endless card i think it's better um and just bear in mind the yellow is uh pay two resources the blue is pay one resource so they do diminish in the resources you're probably to play um but yeah i think i think i'd probably say this is like a, a c plus build around otherwise maybe a c c minus Yep, for me, this is like a straight C, but also kind of like a C plus in the right deck. Like, I really like this in Oldheim when I played him, um, or Oldheim. I, kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm Old saying time. his name correctly. Yeah. I, lo- yeah, I love the I love the replacement effects, like drawing the card. Um, and I found, like, every time I played this card, um, when I was playing something like Oldheim, mostly because, like, a lot of my techs are very tall, uh, my opponent would always, would always pay for it, especially if they had the blue. But, uh, yeah, I think it's very, very strong, and, 
I think I kind of looked at this card as essentially like, you know, replace itself, but also like strip a card out of the opponent's hand. All this, that's probably not the same in Lexi, but in Lexi, you can have, you can, you know, if they decide to ignore it, you have a lot of errors on hit effects that are going to make them discard or pay and like all this kind of stuff. So for me, I like this way more than so tomorrow. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a solid card and a solid target to fuse with and pay that re- and pay that resource. Interesting. I think I still like so tomorrow a bit more. But one thing I did just sort of forget about is the fact that when you play this, your opponent doesn't know what attack you're going to play next. So mm-hmm. there is a bit of a judgment call about how they pay for this. Um, but similar to so for tomorrow, I think I like the blue and the yellow uh, better than the red. Mm-hmm. So next we have Winter's Bite. Um, this is a ice action so non-attack action at common we're looking at the red one here it blocks for two and it says target hero discards a card unless they pay three resources and has go again so for me this is a c plus i actually like freaking love this card play this card you know you're always gonna get a card out of hand and you're either going wide or going tall um i don't really like it with you know a, a dominated attack for obvious reasons just kind of makes things more efficient for your opponent and i also don't really like this at blue so if you have this at blue it says target hero discards a card unless they pay one um like we talked about you kind of earlier in this podcast is that that can sometimes encourage your opponent to make the right decision, which is pitching a power card to the bottom of their deck and makes the second cycle a bit harder to play. Um, so for me, I prefer to play this at red and yellow. Yeah, I like that this can mess with turn cycles. Again, this, sorry, this card costs zero. I don't know if, don't know if we said that, costs zero. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this can mess with turn cycles, but at the end of the day, this costs a card to get a card from your opponent, right? So, and... If it's a if it's a, a blue, for instance, and it's just one cost, they get to choose any of the cards in their hand to trade for this card. So I think this card is only really any good personally out of Arsenal when you've used it to fuse. If you're just playing this on your turn to trade a card, <clears throat> I'm not that excited about it unless you're disrupting a, a turn cycle your opponent's trying to set up. So that's when that can have some ability. Maybe they want to come back at you with a four or five card hand, or you have an on-hit effect, so they really want to block with one or two cards. And then this is effectively taking another card from their hand and ruining their turn cycle. But I think for me, this is like a C. It might even be a C minus. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of this card. I wouldn't want too many in my deck. Um, but you know, I know oh, Brennan yeah. likes it. I, I Definitely can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, if you ha- it, having more than one is way worse in my opinion yeah. than kind of like the first one. And it defends for two, right? Like all these non-attack actions in ice and all the non-attack actions anyway defend for two. So it is like a, a big cost. And I think if I'm choosing the ones I want, like Ice Quake and things like that, are cards I want more of. Uh, whereas you know, Winter's Bite, especially in the right matchups, I probably do want um, one, but it's going to be probably most likely on my second cycle where I want to see it. So, yeah, I think I'm going to land on C minus here. Um, and you said mm-hmm. C plus, didn't you, Brennan? Mm-hmm. Cool. Last card we've got from the Ice is, of course, the Ice Amulet. So, Amulet of Ice. Again, blue pitch, cost zero, uh, is an Ice action item. It says go again, and effect is instant. Destroy Amulet of Ice. Target hero discards a card unless they pay two resources. Activate this ability only if you have Ice fuse this turn. I really like this one. I think it might be the best one. I think the disruptive effect is massive. The fact that you get to have this on the board. Uh, effectively, effectively, like what you're doing is you're putting a card on the board for later in the game that allows you to uh, trade from a card from your opponent's side. So you get to set up like a, a, dis- a disparity of cards for no, it doesn't cost you anything later in the game effectively uh, because you've already set this up. So the, the cost is upfront, but later on in the game, it's going to be a really powerful effect. Of course, you do have to ice fuse, but you know, in, in the decks where you're playing this, like that's not going to be that difficult to do um the, the downside is of course the the ice fuse that does it does require that setup on that turn um and you know also the fact that it doesn't defend it does pitch for blue and it is instant speed the effect so you can do this at the end of your turn uh to you know to ruin opponents maybe they don't block because they want to keep their hand and you've ice fused this turn you go all right i'm popping this i'm going to take this you know take a card from the hand so they can't swing back at me for as much and try and 
uh, create a pivot turn. So I'd probably give this a B minus, maybe even a B. For me, this is B minus as well for all the exact same reasons. And it's funny that you mentioned that because that was going to be my example. Was that that's the exact same happened? I actually played a blue like a blue guardian attack um, that I ice fused. Didn't have too relevant on, on hit trigger, and my opponent decided not block. They were kind of gearing up for a pivot turn, and then. At, you know, after before the end of my turn, I just popped in the lights, took car out of the hand, totally dismantled the you know the entire plan. I like that, and you know, you know me, Brennan. Uh, messing with people's pivot turns is one of my favorite things to do. So, big mm, on board. That. <laughs> Should we move All on right. to lightning? Yeah, so on to our final element here. So we're on to lightning. Our first card is flash. It's a lightning action, so non-tech action at rare. Look at the red one here. It blocks for two, costs zero. It says the next action card you play this turn with costs zero or greater gains go again and this card itself has go again keep this in mind that the yellow is cost one or greater and then the blue will be cost two or greater um so for me this is a b or b plus i really like this card in briar um it's pretty decent in lexi as well obviously it's as rare but yeah i mean if you look at it something like briar it's like kind of like exactly what you want to be doing like getting go again um and inherently having go again on your non-attack action so i'm a big fan of the card i think it's very very powerful that being said you know, it is a rare, so you're not going to be able to get as many as you want. Yeah, I mean, if I could have uh, a ton of these, I would. I think this is, I've got this at a B plus. I think this could even be, to be honest, an A minus for me, and I'll explain my, my thought process. Brilliant. I think this is one of the most exciting cards to me in terms of uh, what I want to be doing in basically any Lexi and Briar deck. So, uh, of course, you know, I can fuse this. Like, if I use this as a fuse reveal, I think that's like the perfect situation for me to then set up a five card turn. Uh, next turn because as i said before when i'm setting up a fuse and i'm probably putting a card into arsenal i'm probably often using that as a pivot turn i'm trying to swing tempo so then to guarantee a card in my arsenal that's going to allow me to play out my five card hand that makes it really difficult for my opponent to just be like well i'll just block out this fuse turn and then you have a dead card in your arsenal that potentially you can't even play out your five card hand this card is always going to allow me to play out a five card hand post a, a big fuse turn so uh big fan of that the effect, of course, with Lexi to flip this up and then uh, create the, the extra go again. So you can actually have massive turns with Lexi because you can flip it up, get your next attack, go again, play an attack from hand, then play this, then shiver, play an arrow. A lot of effects with that. Of course, it's a non-attack action for Briar, which is massive. Um, yeah, i just a big fan of this card. I think it's... I saw this... I was already a big fan, and then I was watching uh, Brendan and Dante kindly played some seal games uh, last night and I was able to watch over webcam so I could just see <laughs> some seal play from their uh, from their world premiere decks and, and it looked like the best card in Dante's deck to be honest and um, yeah, big fan of the card oh, but also kind of Dante. Oh, just Dante, got it, okay. <laughs> On to the next one. Would you, would you land it like a B plus as well, B, B plus? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a B, B plus for me for sure. Okay. Uh, moving on, we've got another, a lot of non-attack actions, right? We've got Weave Lightning, which is a, a lightning action, a non-attack action. This costs zero, and we're looking at the red one here, Defense for two, and says, the next lightning or elemental attack action card you play this turn gains plus three attack. If it's fused, it gains go again, and a card, of course, has go again. So I think this is, you know, this is nowhere near the strength of Flash. It's a lot more conditional. Uh, we looked at a card before with the, when we are looking at Ice, uh, that uh, gave plus three. If fused gives go again which is pretty relevant but it's going to be very difficult i think to turn this on a lot of the time so i probably just land this at like a c i think it might even be a c minus for me yeah for me it's a solid c minus it's like the whole if it's fused uh in quotation marks uh the pumps these kind of pumps are tough and this one expects you to have like a follow-up attack after you feel like you know after you fuse it's it's tough um I think it's asking a little, it's a little too much here, yeah. right? To get the go again is, is a lot. Uh, get plus three, it's very reasonable. Um, 
yeah, but for me, it's a C minus. Doesn't mean I'm not going to play and not going to include it in my deck, but uh, it is a bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, and next we have Lightning Press. This is a Lightning Instant at rare. Um, doesn't defend for anything, and it costs zero. Uh, also important to note, there are some cards in this uh, in this set that actually defend for zero. Uh, and then this card in particular, obviously because it's an instant, doesn't have a defense value. So something that doesn't have a defense value, you actually can't defend with it, where if it defends for zero, I believe that you can. Mm-hmm. So Lightning Press costs zero, um, pitches for two, and it says target attack action card with cost one or less gains plus two attack. So for me, this is going to be a C. Not a lot of defense reactions in this set, which makes this you know very, very good in my opinion. And if you're not old him... Um, even if you are, how can you really play around this? Obviously, Ultim's not using it. I'm saying if you're on the other side of the board, yeah. it's just really hard to play around Lightning Press. You probably almost never will unless it was pitched and you were able to see that pitch and you know it's the cycle cycle of the deck and you know what hand is coming up in. Um, I think you're going to catch a lot of opponents off guard with this card. Yep, I agree. I think the, the downside to this card is really that it doesn't defend, right? I um, I like the card otherwise. Uh, you know, it is important that it does say cost one or less. So that is that is relevant, right? So there's a lot of cards that this isn't gonna uh, work on, but the the buff effect is super relevant. So actually, sorry, the the red and the blue is it does it change the cost effect or does it change the buff effect on those cards, Brendan? Uh, cost. Of, oh. Okay, so it is the cost effect. Uh, so sorry, the attack effect. So it's always one cost one or less. Uh, but it's going to give plus one at blue, plus two at yellow, plus three at red. So I actually really like the blue as well. Your break points, your opponent generally when you're looking at like a break point of uh, like three or five or six, your opponent's probably going to be blocking for exactes. So, you know, to push this over like a lunging press style, right? Uh, lightning press, you can get these on-hit effects, which is really relevant for Briar, for instance, as well, right? So, you know, where you're trying to uh, drive those tokens, your embodiment of Earth tokens, or even for the on-hit effects that are coming out of your arrows with um, Lexi. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land at a C as well. There's obviously a downside here, right? No defense, but um, the card is it's pretty reasonable. I'd probably want, you know, at least a copy of this in my deck. You can pitch it early. It's going to, your opponent's going to have to worry about it, things like that. Yeah, it's just in the context of the set. It's like, it's almost impossible to play around. So I think that's what makes it so attractive for me. Yeah. Next up, we've got Ball Lightning. So here you go, hit Brendan. This is what you are just speaking about. Uh, ball Lightning is a lightning action attack. It defends for zero. That's a common. Defends for zero. And we're looking at the yellow. So it attacks for two and costs zero. Whenever, and it says, whenever a lightning or elemental action card would deal damage this combat chain, instead it deals that much damage plus one. And it has go again. So, wow. Okay. We are massively, dis- uh, we've got a massive discrepancy on, on uh, where we set this card. So I've had people tell me that they think this card is one of the best in the set. I, I'm struggling. So, Brennan, sell it to me. Why is this card one of the best cards in the set? It's an A minus in Briar. Um, probably one of the most terrifying cards to face. Um, think about what happens if the opponent has multiples of these. The reason is embodiment of Earth uh, tokens, and also just the kind of compounding arcane effect that you can have, since you're already attacking from multiple sources of, you know, you already you have multiple attack actions on the combat chain, all this kind of stuff. And it's just the the sources of damage and the embodiment of Earth tokens and being able to play... Sometimes you see people play two of these in a turn. It's just so it's so devastating, right? It inherently has go again, um, and obviously it has the physical effect as well as the you know the potential arcane. So I think that this is the scariest card to see in Briar, um, to the point where like it's like close to like pack, maybe not pack one, pick one, but like pack one, pick two, pick three. I'd be probably picking these up. Interesting. Yeah, I guess you know with the card like Singeing Steel Blade, right? You play this afterwards. It's going to, yeah, it's yeah. going to deal two damage just from the arcane damage, for instance, because it does come from the the card itself. 
course, you can't break the combat chain. It does say combat chain, which I do think is really relevant. So if you do break the combat chain with a non-attack action, for instance, say in Briar, then of course, you know, that is going to stop this effect. But yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely see it. I mean, the I guess the, the downside, right, is this doesn't defend for anything. It's a zero cost, a zero defense. Uh, and it read this only attacks for three. So the breakpoints on this card aren't actually that relevant. To me, that actually kind of says that, the, you know, the yellow and blue is probably where I want to be. You can probably set up some yep. really disgusting end games by pitching this early and having some, you know, like having a Sinjin Steel Blade or having these uh, effects that are going to multiply. I don't know if I I don't know if I can get to an A, but I would probably, after having discussed this, I'd probably get to like a, a B, I think, on this card. But to your point, this is a card that is a catalyst for setting up really strong turns with Briar, right? For sure, and this is like kind of like the via the vanguard effect, not in the sense of the power of the car, but like this the fact that they wrote combat chain on this. You like you need to like laser that into your brain because I promise you'll go to pre-release. You'll probably even go to the calling. Like if you play in a competitive limited calling, I promise you that someone will play this card, break the combat chain, and then try to use its plus one effect because <laughs> like those things just like don't click for fab players. Like it's just so hard to remember when there's like just like combat chain on there randomly. Yeah. I remember for via the Vanguard, like everybody I knew for months and months and months would play via the Vanguard and then would pop gallantry gold, which immediately breaks combat chain. Yeah, gotta do it first. Gotta do it first. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Right. Next we have Lightning Surge. This is a lightning action attack at common um, we're looking at the red one here it attacks before blocks for two and it costs zero uh it says if lightning surge is played from arsenal it gains go again so for me uh this is definitely decent in briar like if you're using this to lightning fuse and you put it in arsenal it's you know, definitely something that you want to be doing in that deck um and i really like it and i especially like it at red at that uh for in lexi though this is a d plus um because it's redundant right like if you have this in arsenal and you flip it with lexi's ability it doesn't really you know it gives the you can get go again on the kind of attack action in your hand, but not this one. So you have to play that attack action first, then play this. And then ha- it's pretty unlikely that you're going wide for like a third attack after that. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of it in Lexi, but I do really like this card in Briar where I think it's like a C to C plus. Interesting. I was thinking that I would still want this card in Lexi for that very reason. Like I get to play three attacks in a turn because of the effect, but it does mean that you have to, they have to be non-arrow attacks. So it can be a little bit mm-hmm. awkward in that. But I mean, in Briar, for instance, I think, you know, I probably want non-attack actions, but this is a card that I, I think I'm going to like a lot. I mean, uh, basically, if you play this on Arsenal, you've got a non-conditional Scar for a Scar, right? Which has always been a good card. And I think, especially with breakpoints as well in Briar, where you deal a damage, you have go again, you're going to get an embodiment of Earth. Like this kind of does everything that I really want it to do. So I really like this card a lot. I think I'm, I'm quite a bit higher than you on this. Um, I'm at like a C plus, maybe even for red, a B minus with that breakpoint of four. But I do agree that I think it is, better and briar but just just to that point again i just keep coming back to this point and i could be overvaluing this um ability of five card hands to be played out after you fuse on a turn but the same thing again with like we talked about with the non-attack actions versus the attack actions this is an attack action that you can reveal to fuse put an arsenal and it still allows you to have a really big five card hand because um because of the go again so yeah interesting i think i'd probably land at like a c plus maybe even a b minus for a bit next up we've got uh, heaven's claws which is the uh the vanilla attack action cycle in lightning so it's a one cost uh a common attack for five defend for three uh in the red and just has flavor text the lightning attack action so i'd probably again i've been putting these all at c plus so i wouldn't change on heaven's claws um it's interesting i think actually i thought this was probably the weakest of the of the group of them just because of the cost of one um, but the actual the actual attack uh, points on this so five four three for red yellow blue are really interesting 
Um, and just the effect that, you know, there's there's some ways to get go again and things like that for Heaven's Claws, whether it be in Lexi, whether it be in, in Briar, I think it's just as strong as the other two. So yeah, I have this at a, a C plus. Mm-hmm. And we already know I'm at a B minus. I just love having these as the, the core of my deck for paying fuse costs. It's just very, very safe, especially in sealed. Like I like this a lot more in sealed than I do in draft, but um, yeah, defending for three, is, I definitely uh, value that quite a lot. So next we have Shock Striker. This is a lightning action attack at common. Um, we're looking at the red one here. It attacks for five, blocks for two, and it costs one. And it says once per turn instant, two resources, Shock Striker gains. If Shock Striker hits a hero, deal one damage to them. So for me, this is very, it's quite vanilla, C, C+. Like it in Lexi because you can flip it with her ability and have go again on it immediately. And I like it in Briar as well because you can activate the once per turn instant and you can get, you know, if the physical hits, two embodiment of earth tokens. Yep. I mean, exactly that. I think having resource sinks is really underrated. It's not something we really have in Flesh and Blood, a way to sink in extra resources. And with uh, Shock Striker, you have like a really good optional uh, resource sink here. So I would probably say this is a, a C, C plus. Yeah. Next, we have the Amulet of Lightning, the last in our in our item cycle. So it's a lightning action item at common. Uh, it doesn't defend for anything. It costs zero and pitches for blue. It says go again, and then has instant. Destroy Amulet of Lightning, target attack action card, gains go again. Activate this ability only if you have lightning fuse this turn. So for me, this is a C, and I think it's more exciting in Briar decks, but can help you close up the game and go wide on a turn, which is really important. Um... That's pretty much all I have to say. I mean, I think it's like a decent card to, you know, pay your fuse with, reveal this card. You can put it in Arsenal. Like, it's a really safe Arsenal slot because you just, you know, clear it out of Arsenal and then you have mm-hmm. this permanent on the board. I definitely would like that. I like that about all amulets. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's really the amulet I think it's excited. Um, so C for me. Hayden, what about you? I agree with most of what you said. I actually think this is better at Lexi, personally, um, because of the ability to play this early and then play a fused lightning attack and dominate it. So to guarantee you get the on-hit effect and then give it go again. So that's actually, I actually think I like this a bit more in Lexi, although of course in Briar, going wide is really important. Um, I just feel like I'm a bit more drawn to some of the earth side when I'm trying to uh, create those embodiment tokens. I think if I'm playing lightning, I'm probably playing out potentially multiple non-attack actions anyway and creating a embodiment of lightning. So yeah, I, I think I, I like this a little bit more in Lexi, but I, I, again, same, I think this is about a C. I think the Amulet of Ice is by far the best one. This comes in second and then the earth one is, is a little bit behind this. Right, Brendan, we're circling back to two that we, we did miss. Uh, Mark of Lightning to start with. This is a Lightning Equipment Arms defense for zero and says, whenever a Lightning or Elemental attack you control is defended by a card from hand, you may destroy Mark of Lightning. If you do, the attack deals one damage to the defending hero. So I actually missed this card um, in the initial sort of drop of all the preview cards. But did you play against this card at the, at the premium? What did you think of it overall? Uh, it's very, very good in Briar. So it's obviously nice to sneak in another damage if you're playing Lexi. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's not bad. It's not competing with anything in Briar though. It's a bit crazy because I think it's actually another instance of arcane damage if you're already dealing it. Um, so you do end up creating those three embodiment tokens for say, per se, if it wasn't blocked or it was under blocked or something like that. Um, and that's brutal, right? Your non-tech actions blocking for five is quite strong. So actually, you know, I think this card is, you know kind of key to Briar. I don't think you need it to win, but it's it's quite the quite the icing on the cake. So for me it's uh in Briar it's a B plus. Other than that it's a solid B. It's hard to evaluate these armor because they don't 
compete with anything else. So they're all pretty solid. Uh, but yeah, B plus and Briar and just a B all around. Yeah, yeah. And you're not arcane damage, but Briar obviously doesn't doesn't actually care about it being arcane damage, just dealing damage to yeah, just uh, yeah, damage. just the and actually so as well. There's the Lexi cards that care for that as well. So there's a couple of um, of arrows that uh, say if uh, if an attack deals damage, then you get a certain effect. Uh, and Mark of Lightning actually gives the attack the damage. So uh, Chilling Ice Vein, for instance, works with that, uh, which is yeah, it's really cool. Like there's a, a couple of, of cool effects there that allow you to get extra impacts. Uh, there's one that makes Frost tokens as well in the form of Blizzard Bolt. So um, yeah, I, I think this card seems really strong in terms of the sort of effect that you want to have on these turns where you're fusing and trying to push some effects on your opponent, even if they block it out. Uh, if you really still need to hit that uh, on hit effect, you can use the uh, Mark of Lightning, and it's it's on demand, right? So you don't necessarily have to use it the, the first time. You could use it, you know, it's always a threat as well. It's kind of what we talked about with the amulet, right? It's always there kind of as a threat. Anyway, Brennan, should we uh, move on to the last card in Lightning? Yep, so we have Electrify here. It's a Lightning action at common. We're looking at the red one here. It attacks for zero. It's a non-attack action. Blocks for two, um, and it costs one. It says the next time an attack action card hits uh, a hero this turn, it deals one damage to them. If Electrify is played from Arsenal, draw a card, and it has go again. So I just want to quickly touch on, you know, just kind of reiterate on that concept you said there. There's a lot of cards in the set that say deal damage. So this actually adds a damage onto said card. I think this will probably be the most missed thing in pre-release mm-hmm. is that we're very used to on hit effects. So like the card needs to hit, but this just means, you know, it says deals deals damage. So things like uh, like the armor piece or like electrify actually trigger those effects. So really, really important to keep your eyes out for that. Um, and yeah, I think that <laughs> Tails is a set where, you know, reading the card is going to be huge. We'll probably have to do it many, many times. But for me, Electrify is a C. I think that, uh, you know, it's definitely boarding on C+. It's just exactly what you want to have for a lot of these cards. A lot of these things, you know, like Briar, that's a, you, know, you will create that extra token. But also Lexi, we're going to get those uh, sort of on-hit effects, but it's other deal damage effects. Um, and Electrify is going to help you do that. The red one also does three damage to them. Um, so quite good in the end game and of course it replaces itself like all the other uh cards in the cycle similar to this yeah like so and yeah i mean electrify so the first time i thought i looked at this card i actually thought it was pretty average i thought it was the worst of the cycle of the play from arsenal uh sort of fuse targets that give you a buff and and um, allow you to draw that card but actually i think electrify might be one of one of the better ones i still really like so i know brennan you're, you're a bit more down on so than i am we talked about that in the earth earth cards but electrify uh you know the ability, I think blue, so we talked about blue, obviously dealing one damage. I actually really like that effect because to get all these other effects we talked about from um, those, you know, the deal damage effects from cards, blue is going to be perfectly serviceable. All you need to deal is one damage in order to get that extra frostbite or uh, get that extra um, token, whatever it might be from, you know, embodiment. So get that extra, yeah, embodiment of earth. So I really like Electrify, uh, probably blue and yellow primarily, but of course then red just is, is a huge threat if it hits, right? And if you've got, you combine it with something like Lightning Press to push over the damage, you know, you could be dealing extra five damage at instant speed, which is, you know, there's not a lot of ways to necessarily interact uh, at instant speed that aren't face up. So something like Lightning Press can really, that can even compound what that card's already doing. So I'd probably give us a C plus, maybe even a, a B minus in the right deck, um, but I'd probably stick around a C plus. Move on to the elemental cards. So we've spoken through the three elements, and now we're going to move on to the effectively what are the generics of the set and elements are the elemental cards themselves. So this is where a lot of our fusion is going to come in. We've talked about a lot of the, I guess, the fuse enablers in the elements. That's where you're going to find them. So all these non-attack actions and these attack actions that are elements, uh, so earth, ice, and 
um, lightning that allow you to actually enable a lot of these cards that we're going to talk through here. And we're going to start with Entwine Earth, which is a two cost attack action at common, an elemental attack action, defense for two, and at yellow, which is what we're looking at, uh, attacks for five. So it has Earth Fusion. So you're going to read this for the first time. As an additional cost to play Entwine Earth, you may reveal an Earth card from your hand. Uh, and if you Entwine, then, oh, sorry, if this Entwine Earth was fused, it gains plus two. So all of these, <laughs> it's a tricky one there because of Entwine, obviously, but um, all of these effects, all of these attacks uh, have, I guess, fuse effects that give them a buff. So, um, yeah, I mean, this one, to be honest, we're starting off with like one of the weaker ones. I think this one is just very vanilla. I mean, at red, it's a two for six. If you do fuse it, it's coming in for eight, but no on-hit effect and defense for two is not necessarily where I want to be or no buff effect. So I think I'm probably giving this like a C, C minus. Yeah, for me, this is a D plus. I think these elemental cards are tough to evaluate. They don't feel very good right now because they don't work as fuse targets and they don't block for three. Um, seems like a lot to ask. I just know like both in, you know, well, I can really only pull from my seals experience in draft. I was definitely not picking this up. Maybe there's an archetype where you prioritize elemental attacks like this. But in sealed, like you were, if you were playing thirty cards, you're really, you know, trying to add as many. You know, if you're play, usually playing dual elements, I see. I try to add as many kind of like earth and ice targets while keeping your, you know, your elemental class cards up that block for three and actually do sometimes quite a bit more than this. But two for seven or two for eight is quite nice. Um, but that being said, like. It just seems kind of linear and limited to me. Uh, so I'm not too big of a fan, but I'm willing to be at least one grade wrong on this one. So D plus for me for now. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have, you've got to, if there's only so many elemental attacks you can play, only so many cards that require fuse, but don't help you fuse. So you've got to really balance that. And this is, to me, one of the weaker ones, I think. Mm -hmm. So next we have Entwine Ice. This is an elemental action attack at common. We're looking at the red one here. It attacks for five and it blocks for two. It costs one and it has ice fusion. And it says if Entwine Ice was fused, it gains to dominate. So for me, this is a C minus. I think outside of a win con and not a very good win con at that, it's very weak in my opinion. Um, but obviously, like, you know, if we look back to Monarch, we played things like you know, overload with minnowism or overload with warmonger settles as win conditions because just, you know, that little bit of dominant can really squeak you over, especially in a two-block format. So if you don't have a lot of win conditions, I would absolutely play in Twine Ice. Other than that, I'd probably see myself cutting this card quite a bit. What about you, Hayden? Yeah, I think I had this a slightly higher, but the more I think about it, I mean, you have a lot of uh, Dominate in old time anyway. You have a lot of Dominate with Shiver and Lexi. So having this as a win condition, I guess, is actually not that strong. And you also, it's not just a win condition. You can draw and play. Like You have to set this up because of the fusion. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land with you. I'm going to go with a, a C-. And to be honest, maybe the more I look at this card, of course, the like just at a base rate, one for five, uh, one for four at yellow, et cetera, is, is reasonable. Um, but... I want those kind of cards to ideally be like um, like Kevin's Claws. I want those to be enablers, not payoff cards. And I think the payoff on this card is actually a lot lower than I thought it was. So to be honest, I might even be a D on this. I think I'm going to go D plus. I think this card that, is that, that worse is than I thought. probably where I land, to be yeah. honest. I think that I had like D in mind and I... You saw my grade? <laughs> I saw your grade and I was like, he thinks this is a C plus. I must be wrong because yeah. these cards, like even when I was when I was opening them sealed, I was like... It feels so greedy to play like these elemental non-fuse target cards that block for two and just kind of like, I mean, five dominate is really not that exciting. Um, and, and Twine Ice in particular really felt like you were, I don't know, you were, at, you were asking for a lot playing this card. Yeah, I think this might be worse than Earth. 
But anyway, let's um, yeah, let's talk about I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Entwine Lightning. So in uh, Twine Lightning is again a elemental attack action. It costs zero at common, and uh, we're looking at the red one here, which attacks for four and defense for two. It has a lightning fusion, so it's an additional cost. You can reveal a lightning card, and if Entwine Lightning was fused, it gains go again. So this is a lot more exciting to me than Dominate. I think in a, in a format where it's quite easy to get Dominate, and probably I want to use Dominate on those kind of effects as a win condition. Uh, for the lightning side, a zero cost at attack for four at red is you know like a reasonable. It's like a worse wounding blow from um, from welcome to wraith. So that's okay. But then the effect that you confuse this and get go again. The the cool thing I really like about this card is that it allows me to play my card. I just revealed for few straight afterwards. I don't have to arsenal it. So some of these cards that feel a little bit more dubious that we you know talked about being able to play from arsenal is less exciting. You just get to play this card straight away, uh, which I really like. So I'm probably sitting like a C C plus on this card. Yeah, for me, it's a solid C. Um, it's hard to kind of compare this to Wounding Blow, right? Because this is like better compared to like Scar for a Scar. Because Wounding Blow, like what made Wounding Blow was good was the Fins defense green. value. Yeah. So I think that this is like really comparable to Scar for Scar, where it's like even harder to get to go again than it is on Scar for Scar, where you just have to be lower life. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's a C for me. Like I said, you can't really have, I feel like you can't have a lot of these elemental attacks that are you know not going to be targets for fuse and also not going to block for three like your class cards in your deck um but of the three this is my favorite one for the attack actions yep. so next we have uh my favorite card in the set it's going to be invigorate and it says you know we're going to be sorry it's an elemental action it's non-attack action at common blocks for two we're looking at the red one here it says your next attack the next attack you fuse gains plus four uh it costs zero and it has go again so for me this is going to be my D minus of the set. It almost feels like an F in sealed. Um, you have to fuse, or this does absolutely nothing. Um, it's better in Briar because it counts as a non-attack action. Maybe you create that embodiment of lightning token. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a D minus. I think that you know you can play these in draft or something like zero for plus four is quite nice. Um, but in sealed, this is about as close to an F as it gets. Yeah, I, I don't think this is the worst card in the set. I think we might be talking about that next. I think this card is slightly better than that card, to be honest, the more I look at People it. People like that card we're about to talk about. Is that interesting? <laughs> you have to sell it to me then. Um, I think Invigorate is like a massive, it's a build-around card. Like, I think if you have a lot of ways to uh, activate Fuse and they're, they're good Fuse effects that allow you to use a card like Invigorate, I actually think that if you're going to play it, the yellow and maybe even blue uh, relevant. But again, like blue cards that aren't your element, so aren't Earth, uh, lightning or ice are really coming across and to be honest any card that doesn't comes at a cost and this isn't really the one that i want to be playing so i i definitely land at like a d on this but i think this is like a build around c uh in some decks but um yeah take me on to the next card because you have to explain this one to me sure. <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I'll even read it out for you please, so please. this is this is this is reju rejuvenate um it's an elemental action so it's a non-tech action at common it blocks for two um, and it costs one it says gain three life if you have fused this turn, you may play Rejuvenate as though it were an instant. So for me, this is a this is a D at best. Uh, life gain is not as good in this format as Welcome to Wraith, unless you're playing against Briar. So life gain is okay um, in that it could. This is something that we could actually be wrong about. That that is the one silver lining for me is that life gain. Um, could be good against Briar because there is some sort of inevitability because you literally can't block that damage. That being said, um, to compare this to uh, something like Sigil Solace is apples to oranges, right? And sorry, no, not apples to oranges. The opposite of that. They're, they're just not even close, right? Because, you know, something costing one is infinitely more expensive than something costing zero, like Sigil, um, which is just inherently an instant. So I would say maybe this is a sideboard card against Briar, 
but this is my this is the memorial ground of Tales of Aria for me. This is like this is my F right here. Yeah, I, I think that the, where this might have the most uh, impact is, I mean, yeah, I mean, apples to oranges is, is the right term, Brandon, you, you get there, but um, I think oh, where this yeah. might, <laughs> it means, you know, different, opposing, but where this might have the most impact, I think, is actually in the, in the Briar Mirror, so it's life gain, but also you can uh, potentially play this, like, fused, and then this uh, triggers as an instant, but it's also a non-attack action, so it's going to help you for um, triggering towards your uh, lightning, your embodiment of lightning, um so just because it's played an instant it's still a non-attack action so that's that's relevant but i mean it costs one it depends for two uh so many situations this card is not going to be good for you it also isn't uh it's an element it's not um it isn't one of the elements so yeah i, I meant like a, I meant like a d i'm a d for this but you know i'm happy to be proven wrong on this card maybe better but I, i'd probably give this like a cyborg grade maybe like c minus <laughs> Generous cyborg grade, but it's also <laughs> it is it is format and context dependent. We'll have to see um, how it plays out because I think that that cyborg is specifically for Briar, and maybe it's even if you are already playing Briar, mm-hmm. so we'll see. But uh, face value of this card, it looks like a huge trap. Like this card, I guarantee you, people are going to think this card is so good. Like this is going to be like you know their key card, like how to beat Briar um or something like that i just know this card's gonna be super overvalued and this is like this is my memorial ground right this is like this is the closest it gets to an f it just kind of does like almost nothing yeah it's the memorial ground that you'll stand and die on yeah i mean it has a nice flavor tech here it says a wise warrior takes time to rejuvenate and throw this card out of their deck all right we've covered the element cards we've covered the elemental actions and, and non-attack actions we're now we're going to talk about the actual elemental class cards uh, and we're going to start with all time so first of all the old time all uh, time is a elemental guardian hero uh he is the essence of earth and ice so of course can play earth and ice cards in his in his deck and has a once per turn defense reaction that costs three resources and says if an earth card is pitched this way prevent the next two damage that would be dealt to old time this turn if an ice card is pitched this way the attacking hero puts a card from their hand on top of the deck. And there's a couple of things to, to note with the way old time's ability works. So uh, you you have to pitch the card this way to pay the cost. So say you want to uh, pitch a blue earth card to pay this cost, then those three resources are going to pay the cost and you, you will only get the uh, the impact of the earth side. But if you what you can do is you can pitch, say, a yellow ice card, pay two of it and then pay the third resource with that blue earth card leaving you with two resources left over you'd actually get both effects of this so as long as you pitch both the cards to actually actively pay this cost then you'll get both the effects if you have you know a resource floating you know you have a resource left over and it's an earth resource and then you pitch a, a yellow uh yellow ice card you're not going to get both the effects you're only going to get the effect of the ice because the card you're actually pitching to pay the cost is ice so just a little bit of a thing to remember there heading into the pre-release because i think it probably might might catch some people out um, and the other thing to note is that that two damage is not on the chain link or anything it that carries over so if you activate this ability and then you block out their attack well the next attack they play you're still going to prevent the two damage because it does say prevent the next two damage so um yeah just want to i think all time is a really interesting ability Bruno. i think this is one of the most probably interesting hero abilities we've seen in flesh and blood so far yeah um i just so just taking from the experience i had the world premiere i actually think that using overusing this ability is actually quite a trap especially in limited um just because it does take the whole card obviously there's scenarios where you're going to be eating a nasty on hit effect or some unblockable damage and this can help quite a lot but i think the players that tend that were prioritizing using this 
Um, Cause it, it does, it, it's very attractive, right? You're like, Oh, okay. This is his ability. This is what he's supposed to be doing. Um, I found that, you know, while you can use that ability as a resource, it's actually not core to what old time wants to be doing most of the time, especially if you have like a solid blue base and like, you know, some aggressive cards, you'd probably be rather keeping up the tempo and, uh, you know, mostly coming in with honest effects if you can on your turn. So I think it's quite dangerous to use this ability too much and not when it's you know, extremely relevant. But yeah, if, you're, if your opponent's going to pivot turn, you're able to put a card on top of their deck. Quite nice, and also, you know, unblockable damage or on hit effects. Stopping that two damage is really, really good. But I think using this um, economically is kind of the correct choice. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a card, we just talked about, um, you know, previously in, in some of the sections like lightning. We talked about a card like electrify. You can actually stop that effect, right? You can prevent that damage so that then they don't get the, you know, if it's briar, they don't get the embodiment of earth. They might not get another trigger off a, a different card. Um, so there's a lot of things that Olhan can do, but it's, I think it's about timing, right? Timing this card to to use the ability at the right point in the game. Um, and that's going to be difficult. I mean, you could probably go a game using it. What I would say, how, how many times a game are you using it once? Um, zero to one, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I know, which is crazy because I've actually, like, I think most players were in kind of the zero to one boat where I saw some players that would use it five to six and usually didn't work out well. Yeah, I think it pairs really well with, and we're going to talk about these cards, some of the defense reactions, because you can pitch, get the both, you can get both effects potentially from what Olhan does. You can be pitching two cards and be uh, playing a defense reaction plus getting both effects, which is actually a card up in your favor, um, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. But yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, Brendan, should we move on to the, the first card? Yep, first card. So the first card we have is Glacial Footsteps. It's an elemental guardian action attack at common. Uh, we're looking at the red one here. It attacks for 10, blocks for 3, and costs 6. It has Ice Fusion, that's so you can, by the way, that is so you can reveal the Ice card, and we've talked about it a little bit, and it says, if Glacial Footsteps was fused, it gains Dominate. So, of course, the red one is for 10, the yellow one is for 9, and the blue one is for 8. So, for me, I actually think that this is kind of close to a B in Ultim. Um, you know, it's just raw damage, so it's not incredible in the early game, but... 10 Dominate is a fantastic way to kind of close out the game. It's also a great way to, you know, push damage when you need to. And I think that this card is very bread, feels very bread and buttery um, to what Old Time wants to do in certain archetypes. I think there's certain archetypes that want to be kind of going tall more than others. And I really, really like Racial Footsteps. I think that if you kind of play this card in Sealed, uh, you definitely need to have the blues to do it. Um, obviously, you want the Ice Fusion targets as well. But I think it's a bit of a trap to try to play this if you haven't really opened the correct amount of blues because it be, could be quite hard to get off and just be very, very clunky. And this thing, this card, definitely uh, quite dangerous to Arsenal, especially if you don't have the resource base because that can just totally get stuck in there if your opponent decides to kind of turn up the heat right, when you decide to Arsenal this card. Yeah, you need to make sure you have good ways to clear it if you're thinking about it. Or you know that you've got such a life buffer and built that you're going to end the game or push this damage in a certain way that you just know you're going to be able to do it. So second cycle is going to be more helpful there. How many blues did you actually play in your deck, Brennan? Like, how many do you think you need to be on? I had like an obscene amount of blues. Um, I think I was somewhere between 10 and 15 blues, maybe a little bit more. Like it was so, so, so good. I had one of the best guardian pools like I've ever seen. To be honest, like I had these kind of red attacks in glacial footsteps um, and mulch and things like that. And then I had just solid blues that block for three. And then obviously my fuse, my fuse cards as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, in terms of the ratios, I'd have to defer to the the, uh, the math expert on the line here. Well, so if I look at Welcome to Wraith and I think about Guardian where, uh, of course, you, you wanted to have an average of two blues per hand so that you could, uh, you could do things like Anathos pretty, pretty effectively or... Uh, 
I'm sure that you could actually play your attack actions. I think it's probably similar, to be honest. There's a lot of high-cost attacks here. You know, you do have the hero ability that does probably demand a, a blue or a combination of a blue and a yellow. Uh, you The attacks are, you know, pretty reasonably costed. So I would say you probably do want to be sitting around like 14, 15 blues, ideally, and sealed for um, from, from all time. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty similar. I think as well the... You know, that card like Glacial Footsteps uh, has like a lot of power and you want to make sure that when you draw these cards, you know, you can play them. For some of them, maybe you've got a yellow Glacial Footsteps or a blue Glacial Footsteps and you can pitch that and you can play it on your second cycle. But it's really hard to play red cards on second cycle because it is harder to pitch a lot of red cards. Uh, so do need to be aware of that. But I mean, these elemental cards, you know, these elemental class cards are powerful and they should be, right? Like they're the, the hardest cards to play in theory, right? They're in only one class. They require you to fuse to get the ability. Uh, these should be more powerful cards that just require more setup. So again, like we talked about with the elemental, these sort of generic elemental cards, uh, the amount that you put into your deck can, you know, you've really got to balance it. The more you put into this deck, the worse they actually get because that means less uh, less element cards to actually fuse with them. So yeah, I would say probably I'd give this like a B minus, I think. Um, I think the card is really strong, but again, there's you know there's only so many slots for these kind of cards. But this is one of the better ways to end a game, right? Mm -hmm, for yeah, sure. Let's move on. We've got Biting Gale. Biting Gale is one of the defense reactions that we're talking about. So it's an elemental guardian defense reaction. Cost two, and we're looking at the yellow one here. So the yellow one defends for three, and it has ice fusion and says, if Biting Gale was fused, the attacking hero discards a card unless they pay two resources. So on red, yellow, blue, it's going to be two resources, but the defensive value is going to change from two, three, and four. So uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a card that I think is, is is pretty reasonable. I think um, the defense reactions are probably going to be a bit more situational or, or conditional to certain all-time decks. I don't think every all-time deck is going to be able to utilize the defense reactions to the fullest or even want to have them. Uh, you know, they can take away maybe from if you've got, you know, we just talked about a card like Glacial Footsteps, which has like a really high sort of, I guess, um, restriction cost and the amount of blues you need the amount of uh like cards to fuse with it that you want so having this biting gale again is another another non-element card in your deck right so there's a cost but there are some really cool things that you can do with these defense reactions with the hero ability that we talked about so i'd probably give this a, a c maybe a c plus for the red i think this the the red can mean that you know with a three card hand to pitch this you can use old times ability for both um both effects and get this out of the way yeah, for me, it's going to be a C. I really only like the the red and then maybe the yellow if it's fused as well. Uh, I actually cut the blue from my deck. Yeah, I, I remember that. that. Um, but I really don't like this card unless it's fused, uh, especially at least. I mean, it, I think it kind of depends on your old time build and also depends what you're playing against. But uh, two for four is really expensive. And if you're not getting the effect here, it's, it's just way, it's way over rate, you know, in terms of the cost that you're paying. Yeah, you need you need the effect, right? But one of the, yeah. the cool things is like in past formats, this effect might not always do something because you go, okay, if I play this, they might just be playing out their hand. Whereas you're way more incentivized to keep an arsenal card in this format because of fuse, right? So I think Biting Gale, the effect on it is gonna be a lot more impactful in this format in general, but you just need to work out the right I think the right matchups to play these cards. I don't think, for instance, uh, that if you had the yellow, you would necessarily play it in every matchup. The red one, you might, especially if you've got the right build and you have enough space for this. Um, and again, I think we'll talk about this in the future, but ratios of element versus your elemental um, fuse cards is going to be something that I think we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. All right, next we have my, <laughs> my favorite of the two defense reactions. We have Turn Timber. So this is an elemental guardian defense reaction at rare. We're looking at the red one here. So it defends for six. And it costs two as well. And it has Earth Fusion. It says, if Turn Timber was fused, it gains plus two defense. So for me, this is going to be a solid B minus or C plus. Uh, you know, obviously kind of depends on the color. Actually, the blue one here is quite serviceable. 
Um, it's actually pretty reasonable on the blocking for six if you get the Earth Fusion. I think if you're not able to fuse this card, it's still you know it's still reasonable, it's still playable, um, and it's not the worst card in your deck. Where for Biting Gale, it kind of feels like the worst card in your deck, especially if you're not able to fuse it. So Turn Turn, turn Timber um, is it's a solid, it's a B it's a B minus C plus for me. What about you, Hidden? B minus for Turn Turn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I like it more than Biting Gale on the face of it. So yep, uh, Biting Gale. Yeah, Biting Gale on the surface of it. But I actually think that Biting Gale might surprise us about how impactful that card is, just given what we talked about before about five-card hands and how people want to structure their turns. But Turn Timber defends more, right? It's going to be better against, you know, the, the old-time mirror, for instance. It's going to be better against these Dominate effects. Um, it's always going to be for a higher rate. So, you know, two for six at red, even two for four at blue, like you talked about, and you could turn it into six. I think that's that's massive. I think Turn Timber works better with just a sort of standard old-time deck, but I think... Maybe Biting Gale works better with uh, using old times abilities. So we'll have to see. I, I would give this a B minus as well. I think at the moment, I think it's it's going to be better than Biting Gale, but it's one that I could be surprised about and maybe Biting Gale ends up being as good, if not better. Mm-hmm. Next, we've got Entangle. Entangle is an Element Guardian attack action. Uh, it costs three and defense for three. And we're looking at the blue version, which attacks for five. It has Earth Fusion. And it says if Entangle was fused, it gains, if this hits a hero, their first attack during their next turn is minus two. So... Uh, very similar to you know a guardian card that we've seen in welcome to wraith that did, did a very similar thing um you know i think again just the amount that you can play of these elemental class actions i think is really going to hurt you so i think entangle actually one of the worst ones we see with with guardians so um i think the card's fine but i would probably this would be one of the first cuts if i'm cutting if i'm cutting fusion cards in my deck so i'd probably just give this a, a solid c i think yeah, so for me, it's also solid C um, for pretty much the exact same reasons. I think that, you know, if you have an Earth base, this can definitely put in some work. Like, there's a card that is kind of, you know, more powerful in terms of on-hit effect in Mulch, which is also an Earth Fusion mm-hmm. card in Guardian. Um, but the fact that this costs three is, like, it's so much more ideal than costing four. Like, the four cost, it just kind of really blows in this format, especially because it's really hard to make a... To make the seismic you can but it's just really uncommon um so three is generally where i want to be three or six kind of these you know very nice numbers to be paying for effects so while entangle is not the most powerful effect um it does feel very decent in my deck and obviously it's a solid block three so i'm actually kind of looking at the blue here quite often mm-hmm. for reds i'm usually more going on like the glacial footsteps and um yeah, I mean, just attacks like that to have more relevant effects. Yeah, it's it's a you think about this at red, right? It's a nine damage swing with the with the fuse mm-hmm. effect. It's seven attack plus a potential minus two to your opponent's first attack. So nine for three, that's a pretty good return, right? So I don't, I don't think it's anything you could say this card isn't good. I think it's just yeah, it's just solid. Mm-hmm. All right, so next we have mulch. This is a an elemental guardian action attack at common. We're going to be looking at the red one here. So it attacks for eight blocks for three and it costs four it has earth fusion it says if mulch was fused it gain it if mulch was fused sorry it gains if this hits a hero put a card from their arsenal on the bottom of this deck so it has that disable kind of card text on it so for me this is a c plus uh mainly because the cost is so bad like four is just i mean it always demands two cards and you know if you have like a solid blue base you're kind of just you know giving away two resources um other than that, like obviously, I love the effect. Like most people you play against are going to have arsenals, um, no matter what the class is, because the fuse mechanics, you know, encourages people to arsenal. So mulch is very good in that in that sense. Um, 
But for me, the four cost is a bit more. So it becomes, you know, it's like a C plus. I think that, you know, the effect for me is like a B minus um, or even a B, but the cost brings it back down, back down to earth and puts it a C plus. Yeah, I had this card at a B minus, uh, but as we talked about it just before about the cost structure. Um, so I think if I had a deck that had some of the two cost auras and I was actually building around that kind of effect, and this is the sort of card I'd be looking for, right? Because it lets me play four mm-hmm. card hands uh, that let me arsenal a powerful uh, element action give me mulch's effect and let me use my full six resources but if my plan is just to play a mulch um it's, it's less exciting one of the other cool things as well is you have you know the the surge as well the two cost pump so you can play that uh with mulch yeah. but unfortunately you can't reveal that card so you do need four cards in total so um i i think i agree i think c minus i'd maybe budge to a to a b minus thing but i think in general mulch is going to be a mulch is going to see plus i mean let's forget though the red does attack for eight and of course it does cost four but it's a really strong breakpoint, especially uh, if you're getting out one of those auras first or, or whatever it might be. But if you're coming in at eight at the cost of basically three cards, that's um, or four cards, sorry, if you want the fuse as well, that's, that's pretty uneventful. Moving on, we've got Snow Under. Snow Under is another element guardian uh, attack action. It defends for three and it costs three. And we're looking at the red one here, which attacks for seven. This one has Ice Fusion. We're now moving to the Ice cards. And it says, if Snow Under was fused against, if this hits a hero, create a Frostbite token under their control. So what's more on hit effects here? Um, I think this probably, for me, sits around the same as Entangle. I think uh, a Frostbite is can, can be you know can be really punishing for certain turns and certain decks. But at the same time, also, sometimes it can just be nothing. It can just be one, one by itself can just be nothing for some, uh, some turns, you know. Let's use an example. Uh, the opponent has a blue card and wants to come up with a two-cost attack. A Frostbite in that instance is, is doing very little. So... Uh, I think this kind of is just going to be okay. Again, like to Brennan's point, I really like the idea of these three cost cards that can just hit you. Like, you know, a Raging Onslaught is always a good card, right? And that's what this is at its base level. So it's it's no worse than a C, but I think it probably is just a, just a C. Yep, for me, I got to just totally agree with you here. Solid C, this is like the definition of a role player in the uh, in old the Oldham deck. So, yep, solid C for me. Nothing too crazy going on. Um, but frostbite tokens are quite nice, especially if you're attacking with this at blue. I think when you attack at red, they're more incentivized to cover it up with a few more cards. The frostbite token becomes more relevant, the less cards they usually keep in hand. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely a role player for me at that. So let's see. Next, we have Emerging Avalanche. Emerging Avalanche is an elemental guardian action aura at common. Um, it defends for three, uh, and it costs two. So we're looking at the red one here, and it has ice fusion go again when emerging avalanche enters the arena if it was fused to create a frostbite token under target hero's control at the beginning of your action phase destroy emerging avalanche and the next attack action card you play this turn gains plus three um so for me this is a d plus i found this to be one of the the less playable cards in the in kind of in the elemental guardian pool um but it's a good blocking card it's a solid blue base i think it's pretty rare that you're going to get this off i i'd be I think I'd only really play the red one if I was like drafting that archetype. I don't know how viable viable that is, but um, or if I absolutely had to in sealed. So for most of the time, most of the time for me, this is going to be a blue, and it's going to be mostly a blocking card. So D plus for me. Yeah, I think I'm about the same. I, I was really excited when we saw these auras. I was hoping that it was going to be a bit of an archetype you could build around, and I think there is. Like we just talked about it with, you know, a card like Mulch that costs four. <clears throat> you get to play these auras that give you the added benefit effect of next turn um and it is important that you know the buff so the plus two attack that you get next turn is is any attack so it's not like it doesn't need to be a gardening attack it's not like um emerging dominance and those kind of cards from 
uh, other sets, but in saying that, it does it does it is something that your opponent can see coming. It is face up if they're able to put pressure on you or create frostbite tokens or whatever it might be, uh, or maybe they're Briar and they're able to set up multiple embodiment of Earth. It does make this card, you know, a little bit worse. Um, so I'd probably give this a, a D plus, I think. But I think there is a build around grade, maybe of, of around like a C C plus in, in certain decks. But I think the next card we're going to talk about is just a, probably doing a better job of what this card uh, wants to do. So. Move on to Strengths of Sequoia. So Strength of Sequoia is a another Elemental Guardian action aura. It costs two, just like Avalanche as well. Defense for three, and if we look at the red as well, has Earth Fusion, so it's the opposite side of, of Avalanche. Uh, it says go again, and when Strength of Sequoia enters the arena, if it was fused, create a Seismic Surge token. And at the beginning of your action phase, destroy Strength of Sequoia. Then the first attack action card you play this turn gets plus three attacks. So basically the same thing, except we have Earth Fusion and we get a Seismic Surge, which I think is much, much more important when you're trying to set up an effect like this. Uh, Seismic Surge is going to make something like a Mulch cost three uh, or some of these other four costs or even, you know, allow you to glacial footsteps and uh, have um, have only you know a yellow and a blue or potentially play something else so i think this is a much better effect i still think for me it probably sits at like a, a c minus maybe i'm i get surprised in this card is a bit better than i think it is and there is an archetype and this becomes like a cc plus um but yeah i think this is a c minus for me yep <laughs> i know it's uh it sounds exciting but i completely agree with you this is a c minus for me that is how it played out as well uh, i saw it mostly as a resource card but obviously if i am going to play an aura um, I too also prefer the seismic so, uh, search token over you know something like a uh, like a frostbite token. So to C minus for me. And with that, Hayden, let's head on to the elemental ranger. Yeah, let's do it. So we're talking about Lexi here. Uh, Lexi is the elemental ranger, as you say, and has essence of ice and lightning. So of course, can play ice and lightning cards, and has a once per turn action, which is turn a face down card in your arsenal face up. If it's a lightning card, your next attack action this turn gains go again. And if it's an ice card, you create a frostbite token under target hero's control. Uh, so, you know, a pretty pretty powerful effect both ways. Uh, you'd say that maybe the lightning effect is something that's really going to draw people in in a limited sense in terms of being able to guarantee go again on, on certain cards, especially when you, uh, you know, you're fusing, you're putting these cards into Arsenal afterwards, and then you're flipping them up to get an effect off Lexi. That's like a really strong uh, way to make your some of your weaker uh, element cards better, which is really cool. And yeah, I think, you know, I think if you can either build Lexi as like a lightning hero, you can build it as an ice hero, or you can, I think you can just do both in, in limited pretty, pretty well uh, to an extent. Uh, it really comes down to, again, the cost of your non-element cards versus your uh, elemental fuse cards, I think. I think it's important when you're playing Lexi, but always thinking about her ability in regards to your next turn. So when you do arsenal something like an arrow, that usually means that you're not going to be able to use Lexi's ability um at least any effect right so it is important you know when you are fusing with that with that lightning card or with that frost card now that goes into your arsenal for your next turn and you flip it up with lexi and you get this extra ability um so something to keep in mind i actually think this is what makes lexi kind of one of the more complicated heroes mm -hmm. is that you do seem to have to kind of plan you know always kind of two turns in a row or two turns ahead yeah or even a cycle ahead right because you might need to be yep. pitching the exactly you're going to know what you're drawing later in the game uh in theory so if you're pitching you know the right cards to set up to have this plus then draw into the arrow this can be relevant that can be huge um that's why also as well i think reload is really important in lexi a lot more important than i thought it was because you actually don't want to be arsenaling an arrow at the end of your turn you want to be arsenaling something like a like a polar blast or an ice quake these cards that are ice cards or lightning cards that have an effect um and then you want to be able to probably still on some turns get two arrows into your into your arsenal and uh shiver's only gonna help you with one so mm -hmm. speaking of shiver 
All right, and next we have Shiver, which is an elemental ranger weapon bow two-hander. It's a token. It says, once per turn, instant for one resource. You may put an arrow card from your hand face up into an empty arsenal zone you control. If you do, choose one. Um, one of the choices is it gains plus one until end of turn. The other choice, it gains dominate until end of turn. So Shiver, extremely powerful. I think this is, honestly, this is more... Uh, thematic for what Lexi wants to be doing, I think, than her than her hero ability. Like your a lot of your playstyle is actually kind of um, centered around Shiver. The obvious the question is is like when to dominate, when to plus one, right? Like you dominate for effects, you also plus one to get tempo and get cards out of your opponent's hand. Um, important to note, though, one thing for pre-release is that this is an instant. So if you do end up going second and you don't have to block with um, three cards from hand, you can actually use this ability and get an Arsenal card on turn zero of the game even if you're going second yeah if you're playing into if you're playing into lexi you probably want to be going um second to be honest uh, or you want to make sure you don't allow them to have two cards left in their hand at the end of turn you just want to you know attack with you know use three cards ask me your last card take take three cards from their hand if you can uh, which isn't always going to be easy but yeah i mean shiver is a, is a power is a powerful weapon and you know it, it needs to be really you, you look at the fact that lexi is the only hero in the set that doesn't have a weapon that attacks uh, that's really relevant that always causes i guess concern or issues around people asking about does that mean fatigue is like a real viable option against lexi the issue is this you know you've dominate on a stick with shiver here right like there's so many ways to gain evasion with lexi that um i think trying to trying to fatigue a, a deck that despite not having a weapon just has this access to always be able to push damage through uh turn after turn so yeah shiver's massive i think uh, it's, it's all about how you use it right it's about whether you should be using the the dominate on a certain turn or whether you should be using a plus one and actually thinking about the cards you're pitching to, to work out in the end game okay well if i'm drawing these hands back in the end game what do i actually want my shiver to be doing uh because obviously you know can't do can't do the best of both worlds but it can it can give you one uh and probably the one that you you need it's just working out whether that's going to work with the other cards that you have yep in true classic ranger fashion you're gonna all have kind of have to always pitch for a second cycle of the deck and stack an end game um the, fun, the wind seemed yeah the wind seems to never come free <laughs> Uh, well to be fair though i think with lexi some of them uh, some of them might come a bit easier when you can just run over your opponent with some of these really strong lightning decks and the ability to just continually dominate turn after turn um anyway let's move into the the actions so we've got cold wave to start with which is an elemental ranger uh, action it's an arrow attack so as per usual arrows can only be played from arsenal and only if you control the bow this one defends for three costs one and uh, we're looking at the red one so it attacks for five and says uh, ice fusion and if Cold Wave was fused, cards and activated abilities cost opposing heroes an additional one resource this turn. So important to note, that's on the turn that you are attacking with Cold Wave. It's not their opponent's next turn, it's this current turn. So that's going to impact you know, old times ability, that's going to impact defense reactions, that's going to impact some of the equipment. But that's that's kind of a bit of this. This card uh, feels pretty underwhelming to me and limited. All the other effects that come from basically all of the other um, Elemental Ranger arrows uh, feel a lot more impactful um so i'd probably say that to be honest this is like a c c minus for me i think this is i think just at base rate is one for five at red right and that's not really where i want my arrows to be so i'd probably say a c minus yep definitely c minus for me it's it i've played with it as well it just doesn't feel overly great in this uh in the limited format it seems like maybe it was more of a it was more built you know kind of a card creator for constructed yeah but yeah, C minus for me. So next we have Snapshot. This is an Elemental Ranger action arrow attack uh, at rare. Uh, we're looking at the red one here. It attacks four blocks of three and costs zero. Um, it has Lightning Fusion and says, if Snapshot was fused, you may activate abilities 
of bows you control an additional time this turn as though they were an instant. Hayden, let me hear your thoughts on this one. I think this guy's really good. I think you're not going to want you know a ton of these, but again, it's a rare, so you're probably not going to get access to a ton. But this is going to be how you enable some really big five card hands out of Lexi by getting to shiver twice. So we already talked about starting with a lightning card in your arsenal or frost card, uh, ice card, but specifically a lightning card in this instance. Give and go against your next attack using uh, Shiver's ability to you know put snapshot in, coming in, fusing it, getting to use Shiver again, just being able to set up these really big five card hands. Um, you can have some massive turns, and of course, you know on that second uh, attack or even the first attack, you can be giving these attacks dominate as well. So um, yeah, I mean probably for me, I think this is like a B B plus probably. I think this is the kind of card that I want to build around. It's actually going to help me win games. I think. Yeah, for me, this is a solid B right now. Um, pretty much for every every reason you said. I just, I haven't, I feel like I have to get my hands on this card and kind of play with it more to see what its ceiling is. Um, but at the base, it does look like a, a relatively strong card. And obviously being able to use Shiver twice, if you can utilize playing two arrows in a row, um, is quite nice. But it does seem like it might be a little bit hard to get Gogan on those arrows specifically. Yeah, it's probably going to come down to, I mean, like an, an Amulet of Lightning feels like a card that could be relevant with these turns, or, uh, you know, you've got like um, Flash cards like that, like if you, you know, if you have Flash. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think it's, I think this is a card that feels like it's a B kind of level, but if you put the work in and you have the right build, this card could easily be an A, right? Like I think some of the other classes, there's some A's that I think are a lot cleaner. This one is like a B, but I actually could see legitimately being an A, so it will be, will be super interesting. Moving on, we've got Blizzard Bolt. So Blizzard Bolt is a, another elemental ranger attack action arrow. It costs one and uh, defends for three. And at blue, it attacks for three and has ice fusion. And says, if Blizzard Bolt was fused, whenever an attack deals damage to a hero this turn, create a frostbite token under their control. So we've talked about some of these cards with uh, a card like Electrify. Um, this is one of those ones that says whenever a card deals damage. So it's not a hit effect, it's a damage effect. So if you're able to add on extra damage or you have the Mark of Lightning, things like this, you can actually, you can just set, send damage their way and you can get the Frostbite token. So, um, and also it's important to note, this isn't just for the chain link. This is the whole turn. So if you come with Blizzard Bolt then you come with another attack and you hit or you deal damage with that card, sorry, you're going to get a Frostbite token uh, to put under your opponent's control. So yeah, I mean, this is, I think, a solid card. I would say this is, you know, it's above, it's above your average. I think it's a B minus. Um, I don't think it's the best of these effects. We're going to talk about some of them in a minute that I think are slightly stronger, but yeah, it's a, it's a card that I'm more than happy to have. Yep. Also B minus for me. I think it's your bread and butter, kind of, sorry, your bread and butter tempo card in Lexi. All right. Next we have Buzz Bolt. This is an elemental ranger action arrow attack. Um, we're looking at the red one here. It attacks for five blocks, for three and costs one. It has lightning fusion. It says if Buzz Bolt was fused, whenever an attack hits a hero this turn, it deals one damage to them. So seeing once again, a persistent effect throughout the turn. For me, Buzz Bolt is a C plus. I think it's a great game closer with dominate. Um, but other than that, I think there's a, you know, there's a few more powerful errors that you can have in Lexi. So just a C plus for me. What do you think, Hayden? Yeah, I'm probably on the same page. I mean, this is a hit effect as opposed to a damage effect. And I think it makes sense. If this is a damage effect, I think it could be really, really strong. Um, maybe I might have liked to have seen that. Maybe it needed to be a rare if that was the case. But I think it's probably sits around a C plus for me. There's, there's other arrows I'm going to be more interested in. But to your point, you know, this can, uh, with Dominate, coming in for six damage at one, that's, uh, that's pretty strong. So, yeah, I think we'll sit with a C plus there. Next, we have a card that I do really, really like, though, and that's Chilling Ice Vein. So another Elemental Ranger action, arrow attack. Uh, cost one, defense for three. We're looking at the red, which attacks for five. And this has ice fusion again. And it says if Chilling Ice Vein was fused, whenever an attack deals damage to a hero this turn, they discard a card unless they pay one. 
So there we go with the damage effect again, not a non-hit effect and persistent across the turn. But this one is actively attacking your opponent's uh, hand. So this causes, I think, a lot of issues for your opponent how they need to defend. So in, in what ways they can uh, utilize their hand to block Chilling Ice Vein, have to worry about maybe the next attack if you've got go again, and also have to worry about like, can they can they keep cards in their hand to do you know what they want to do? So if, if an opponent wants to just straight up take the damage on a turn and then come back with you, uh, come back at you, uh, you're already guaranteeing that you're going to get a card from the hand, whether that's the discard or for them to pay for it. Um, and then they need to make the decision, okay, if I want to just have this hit, what if my opponent can come with another attack? Like, what does that look like? Uh, what card would I, should I pitch now to avoid that? Or do I just discard a card and, and hope they don't hit? Yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of things to consider for your opponent. Um, I think maybe against old time decks, it might be slightly, this card might be slightly worse or not quite as good, uh, just because they obviously have the ability to um, utilize things at instant speed so they can pitch uh, for defense reactions and use the extra one to prevent the discard anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this card is probably like a solid B for me. Yep, for me it's a solid B as well. I think this is the best Ice Fusion arrow. Uh, I just love that this has kind of like a, you know, a forced interaction on it. Mm -hmm. You'll find a lot in limited, like people will set up for pivot turns um, or they'll just draw kind of a naturally good hand to come back at you with. And this kind of forces them to interact with the card whether to block with it, pitch, or end up discarding a card anyway. So I really like Chili Ice Vein, and it's one of... Uh, I remember in the draft, it was probably one of the, my favorite cards to pick up when I saw the red one. Yeah, makes sense. I think I'd agree. Best best, uh, best Ice. Mm -hmm. So next we have Dazzling Crescendo. This is an Elemental Ranger action arrow attack at common. We're looking at the red one here. It attacks for four, blocks for three, and costs zero. It has a Lightning Fusion, and it says, if Dazzling Crescendo was fused, it gains go again so for me this is uh this is a b minus i think mostly at red you know it gets down to that kind of c plus range at blue and yellow if that um and i think it's exactly what you want to be doing in lightning lexi um you want to be able to go again you want to be kind of going wide and dazzling crescendo just really seems like the you know kind of the base of that deck yeah it's an interesting one to me because i think about this card and i compare it to something like scar for a scar right from welcome to wraith which has a conditional go again effect as well uh, but defends for, for one less, but also doesn't cost you your weapon activation, which is the one that kind of kind of concerns me with Daz and Crescendo is that it's going to cost you probably your Shiver uh, activation unless you start with this in Arsenal. So mm -hmm. and also you know the fact you need to fuse, so it is it is a cost. It can it can it can hurt you. I think the red I'm fine with. I think I like this card at like a C plus. Maybe I can get to a B minus. So I don't think I'm quite quite on quite on your level there, Brennan. But I honestly think the the blue and the yellow are cards that I'm pretty pretty excited to have in my deck. I think so. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. I think probably I'd sit around a, a C plus overall though. Next we've got Frazzle. So Frazzle is a uh, another elemental ranger attack um, action, an arrow. Costs one, defense for three, and it red attacks for five. And this is a lightning fusion card. This is a Frazzle was fused whenever an attack would deal damage this turn. Instead, it deals that much damage plus one. So again, not caring about on hit effects, but damage effects. So uh, this one I actually think is when I first read this card and was looking through the set, I thought this card was just only okay. Um, I'm actually thinking about it now and thinking this card is a bit stronger than I probably thought it was, especially when you can't, you uh, factor in cards like Electrify uh, or some of these incidental damage effects. So, um, you know, Frazzle, I'd probably say for me is like a, like it might even be a B minus for me, actually. I think it might be a, a pretty solid uh, Lightning Fusion card here. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you, a B minus. I think I had it originally rated as a C plus. Yeah, um, but because, like you said, like, the, this is whenever you deal damage that turn, it could be quite good if you can find a way to get this going because it has lightning fusion. Um, you know, it does seem reasonable 
that you could use the the item with this to give it go again and then come with another attack that's going to threaten this on hit trigger as well. I also think it's good with Dominate, especially when you're trying to close out a game. Um, so I'm a big fan of Frazzle. I'll throw it as C+. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, you pair it with something like Mark of Lightning, right? Like, that's two damage that, that your opponent can't interact with, you know, at the, at the end of the game or something. So it's, yeah, it's a pretty pretty relevant card. Next, we have Flake Out. This is an Elemental Ranger action arrow attack at common. We're looking at the red one here. It attacks for five, blocks for three, and cost one. It has Ice Fusion, and it says if Flake Out was fused, it gains Dominate. Um, so for me, this is this is a solid C, I think. Uh, you're basically just giving this plus one off Shiver and infusing it to give it Dominate, and it's just raw damage at that point. So Flake Out is probably least excited about this card, I think, out of like every Ice Fusion card, just because Shiver is like, permanent on the board mm. um the dominate effect just doesn't seem very unique to me uh in the card pool yeah i mean either this has dominate because you've used it or it doesn't and in which case you could still give it dominate at the cost of one damage um and if that's the case like if i took just vanilla arrows the upside on this is so much lower than a lot of the other arrows that I, I could be looking to to put into my deck so i agree i think this is a c um and of course this is the one thing that brennan hates the most is a, is a flake out so <laughs> That is so true. But on that note, let's talk about the Elemental Runeblade, Briar. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, Briar is a hero that has Essence of Earth and Lightning. So of course, you can play those two elements in uh, in her deck. And whenever it says, and Briar says, whenever an attack action card you control deals damage to an opposing hero, create an Embodiment of Earth token. And an Embodiment of Earth token says uh, that non-attack action cards you control have plus one defense while defending. And at the beginning of your action phase, you destroy Embodiment of Earth. So those are the, the tokens that Briar makes for. And it's important to know that that deals damage. That's not hit effects like we talked about. So you know, there's some really some uh, interactions that we'll talk about further down the line. But we've already seen some of those that can really work in Briar's favor. Briar also says, uh, so second part of the text for Briar is, whenever you play your second non-attack action card each turn, create an Embodiment of Lightning token. And an Embodiment of Lightning says, when you play an attack action card, destroy Embodiment of Lightning and the attack gains go again. So it's a it's a, it's a it's a similar to Quicken Token, uh, but only works on attack action cards. So yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of text on Briar, a lot of things happening with how Briar interacts with uh, cards on your own turn, specifically cards you play, but also your types of damage effects. So there's a lot of things for both you and your opponent to think about in terms of what's happening through the turn. There's some triggers that you definitely don't want to be missing that you want to be aware of, like we talked about with the uh, the dealing of additional damage. So, you know, you play a card that comes in, the uh, attack hits for maybe five, but you also deal an arcane damage. I mean, that's uh, that's already two instances of Embodiment of Earth being made on your turn. So um, I actually think that Briar is one of the hardest heroes to play into because of that fact. It's really hard to structure your turns against Briar uh, when you don't know how many like Embodiment of Earth tokens they're going to make or whether they're going to end up with an Embodiment of Lightning for next turn. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, she's a hero that's, you know, very difficult to i think understand initially but i think as we get through the format we'll we'll learn a lot more sort of i guess play patterns of briar yeah 100 and you know i think we've talked about it a few times so far in the set but you can create multiple you know multiple embodiments of earth with the physical damage and the arcane damage as well i think uh i had a friend in the world premiere that actually went 5-0 without knowing that so it's quite it's quite powerful creating multiples of them you know you're not attack actions blocking for four or five is just unbelievable but Let's go ahead and head You're not going to name that person? No, I'm not going to name that person because that person's name is now an official drinking game. So 
<laughs> I'm going to save, uh, save some of our listeners. So next is Explosive Growth. This is an elemental rune blade action attack at rare. Looking at the red one here, it attacks for three, blocks for three, and costs one. It has Earth Fusion. It says, if Explosive Growth was fused, when it deals damage, attacks you control gain plus one this combat chain. When an attack, uh, sorry, when you attack with Explosive Growth, deal one arcane damage to target hero. Hayden, I know that you're very much a fan of this card. Talk to me. Yeah, so I need to, I guess, give a bit of context to my grade on this card because I'm giving this card an A. Uh, I think this is one of the more powerful cards in the set. And when we've talked about A's in the past, a lot of the A's we talk about are, are really sort of self-contained or they enable some of the like the biggest turns, but uh, the, the weight of, I guess, the, the turn sits on that card. So if I compare it to, you know, like Veer the Vanguard from the last set, like all of the text sits on Veer the Vanguard. Whereas with Explosive Growth, you do need some uh, more specific, although interchangeable cards to help you really set this off. But this can be huge. So this does get, um, so it says if Explosive Growth is fused, whenever it deals damage, attacks you control, get plus one instance. So that's whenever. So you can have multiple instances of plus one very easily, uh, depending on the cards sitting in your deck. Um, you know, even Mark of Lightning, for instance, if they if they block it out, uh, so it's just deal damage. So it's I think this card is really really strong. I honestly think that uh, this card is going to be one of the cards that if you if you see this first pick in a draft, you're going to take it and you're going to build around it, and it's going to be a straight A in your deck. So maybe it's an A minus because it does have some constraints, but I, I do think this is one of the more more powerful cards in the set. <laughs> This is so interesting for me. This was like this was like a B minus. Like this was actually probably one of the least like the less play cards that I saw like on the on the world premiere. Maybe because it's not super intuitive like initially, like how to get multiple pluses, you know, plus damages off this. Um, but you also have to you know have a way to give this go again and come you know come in with things after it for it to be reasonable as well. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you mentioned, like via the Vanguard, I think like you said, via the Vanguard is a lot. More more straightforward as like the the text really is on the card um and what you need to do with that card to make it good is very very straightforward with with explosive growth i don't see it as much um for me you know one for three is not very exciting it's also hard to you know come over a threshold with that as well so i'm gonna say i'm gonna be very tentatively down at like a b minus b and i i will be happily surprised at the at the ceiling of this let me, but, let me uh, i see what, i see what you're talking about let me try and sway you just quickly with one one thing explosive growth is probably a four attack every time you play it uh because you're going to make sure that you earth fusion this and it does count itself uh so it does say a text mm. control game plus one this combat chain so i do genuinely think this card is very similar to v but the, you know you talk about bolton right the go again was naturally on bolton you probably need to set up like a, an embodiment of lightning for to make this work but that's not impossible and i think even the blue so this is a cycle remember as well it's not just it's not just one you you can play this in blue and still get massive impact out of it uh pitch it early set it up for late game with uh some you know some cards that deal arcane damage an earth card uh get an embodiment of lightning into play yeah it's work but i mean you i think the ceiling on this is higher than via the vanguard was it's just a lot harder to to operate with Wow. We'll yeah, see. I didn't consider I didn't consider that it was buffing itself there, but I am definitely scared that you said that the ceiling is higher than via the Vanguard because that card was uh, not fun to play against Monarch. I could be, I could be truly wrong, right? I just I just think that the ceiling is is there. It's just uh, you have to work for it a bit harder. But you know, I'm, I'm prepared to put in some work. I'm prepared to roll up my sleeves, Brendan, and and, uh, and, and prove it. <laughs> 
All right, we'll, we'll move on. Anyway, we've got Rites of Lightning next, uh, which is actually just want to say the border. I really like the border on these uh, Elemental Rune Blade. I don't know why. I think it's because I've always been a Rune Blade fan, a uh, Rune Blade fan, and seeing this border is uh, is quite cool with the green. But anyway, this is a uh, one cost Elemental Rune Blade attack action. It defends for three, and at red, it attacks for four. And this has Lightning Fusion. And it says when you attack with Rites of Lightning, if it was fused, deal one arcane damage to target hero. If you've dealt arcade damage this turn, Rites of Lightning gains go again. So, and if this is the rare, so this is the other rare uh, alongside the explosive growth. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, a one cost card that, you know, if you're fusing, it's it's four plus one and go again. I mean, that's kind of exactly where you want to be, right? Um, I would say this is just a solid B, to be honest. I mean, it does have a bit of a downside if you can't fuse it, but then again, you know, like this has quite a strong upside with that ability, uh, creates you the embodiment of earth token immediately if you are fusing it and that's the thing you need to think about is like when you're looking and evaluating these cards as well there is also the the context of what bryce hero ability does it interacts with all of these cards and in, in some way whether it be non-attack actions with embodiment of lightning or the arcane damage with embodiment of earth so yeah i think it's all b for me yep b for me as well i would love to pick up multiples of this card i think if you fuse this you're accomplishing one of the most powerful things briar can do uh with multiple attacks per turn and not needing that embodiment of light token so big fan of rights of lightning and yeah it's a great card so on to arcanic shockwave this is an elemental rune blade action attack we're looking at the red one here it attacks with four blocks to three and it costs zero it has lightning fusion says when you attack with arcanic shockwave if it was fused deal one arcane damage to target hero so for me, this is a C plus. It's um, you know, I definitely like the red and actually like the blue quite a bit as well. But other than that, like you're want you're gonna be wanting to give this go again or pumping it maybe with something like a bramble spark or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, but in a vacuum by itself, it is not you know, super exciting. But I think it makes a solid core of the deck. Yeah, I think I agree. I think it's um, again, I do just want to reiterate because I think this is something that. Is going to be so important to consider during tick building whether in sealed or in draft is that each of these non-elements so the elemental class cards or the generic elemental cards are a cost to have in your deck that's one less uh you know way that you can actually fuse them so multiples of these they do they do you know they they have diminishing returns very significantly but um yeah i think the ability to again the other thing to consider is the fact that how this interacts with briar if you're able to fuse this you're immediately getting an embodiment of earth token for your next turn so you know, and it costs zero, which is actually really relevant. So if you have a two-card hand with one of with an element uh, card to fuse and this elemental attack, you know, it's a two-card hand where you can come up for four plus one, get an embodiment of Earth token just for two cards and have a card set up for next turn. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really strong. I would give it a, a C plus, I think. Next, we've got uh, Veil of Flash, which is like a really interesting card, I think. So it's a, a one-cost defense for three common and uh, blue it attacks for three and has lightning fusion. And assist of uh, Veil of Flash was fused. You may play your next non-attack action card this turn as though it were an instant. So, you know, a very fascinating sort of ability here. You know, we've seen sort of the ability to play non-attack actions at instant speed before with cards like Rifting. Um, but this, you know, you can play it on the on the chain. Uh, and it basically, you know, effectively with the amount of non-attack actions in the set and the fact they all have going, can effectively grant you an action point, which is, is really where you want to be, right? So... You come with us, you fuse, then you play your next non-attack action. You get the uh, you get that as a, an instant, and you get the action point off of it. And importantly, it doesn't break the chain as well, which is is uh, pretty pretty huge as well. So, yeah, I, I really like this card. Uh, you know, there's a possibility to do a lot of damage off this. Um, the one for five at red is also just super relevant as well. Uh, of course, the lightning card that you can reveal can be the lightning card that you you know could be a non-attack action that you actually want to play. 
Uh, so yeah, but big fan. I'd probably say this is just a solid B. I think there's a lot of ways to to build around this. Yep, B for me as well. I think uh, being able to grant that action point is actually pretty crazy. So ceiling on this card is is very very high for me. Um, but yeah, fail flashes. I don't know. There's you can't really understate how powerful this card can be. Um, and the sort of the things you can probably set up on the second cycle of the deck uh, with something like this, but also by itself on your first cycle, I think it's just a very very strong card. So I'm a big fan. So next we have Rites of Replenishment. It's an elemental rune blade action attack. We're looking at the red one here. It attacks for six, blocks for three, and um, costs two. It's got a little bit of a mouthful on the card. It has Earth Fusion. It says, when you attack with Rites of Replenishment, if you have dealt arcane damage this turn, you may put a non-attack action card from your graveyard on the bottom of your deck. It also says, when you attack with Rites of Replenishment, if it was fused, you may put an attack action card from your graveyard on the bottom of your deck. Hayden, I know you're a big fan of replacement effects. Um, talk to me about rights of replenishment. Yeah, I just I like the ability to be able to reset up my deck for later in the game, and that's exactly what this is going to be able to do. Um, you know, it's really hard. I think having not played this format just yet to ascertain how many times this card is going to be relevant to uh, my ability. But one of the things that you said, Brendan, at the start of this um, of this pod and our set review is that one of the sort of skill edges that you think you can get in this format is knowing how and when to slow down the games in this format. And I think Rites of Replenishment is the sort of card that's going to be able to help you do that and set you up for your second cycle. I think if there's always an edge in Limited if you're able to get through your second cycle and you are the better player at setting up you know, your second cycles of your deck, you're able to pitch manage better, you're able to use cards like Rites of Replenishment to their fullest ability and, and get important cards back. Um, yeah, I think this is where this card can shine. So to be honest, I think it's a C plus. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's the best card in, in the world, but I think it has a really relevant effect. Uh, it's pretty cost efficient as well and, and it's just the sort of card that you know, you're happy to have. Yep, for me, this is a C. I think the replacement effect is nice, but I feel like Briar is doing more powerful things on average with other cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just a C for me. Yep, because yeah, you could factor in the the um, the opportunity cost of this card over something else, right? Over another uh, elemental rune blade attack action, for instance. Mm-hmm. Moving on, we've got Stir the Wildwood. This is another elemental rune blade action attack. Cost two, defense for three, and we're looking at the yellow one, which attacks for four has earth fusion and says if you've dealt arcane damage to an opposing hero this turn stir the wildwood gains plus two attack but wait there's more if stir the wildwood was fused it gains plus two so you know potentially you could be coming in for eight at yellow nine at red for two cost uh of course you do need to have dealt an arcane damage oh sorry dealt a damage rather yeah arcane damage and um you do need to fuse to get the extra plus two but one of the things i like about this is you don't you know you're not constrained to being like i need this to come in for both effects just one or the other is still really relevant uh you know red that's two for seven um at you know yellow two for six but you also have the opportunity to potentially get that to a really really big attack um whether you've set that up or whether you've just drawn into the right combination of cards so i think this probably sits around a c plus for me i think in the right deck with a build around though you could easily argue that this is a, a b plus um but yeah yep for me a c plus uh you know b minus i think that you can do, definitely do some very good things with this card if you set it up uh but in a vacuum and it's it's a good card i think it's a solid you know solid attack action to have in the deck and i'm definitely a fan mm-hmm. So next we have a Bramble Spark, one of my favorite cards in the set, actually. It is a Elemental Rune Blade action, so it's a non-tech action. We're looking at the red one here. It has no attack value, defense for two, and it costs zero. It has Earth Fusion. It says, next attack action card you play this turn gains. When you attack with this, uh, deal one arcane damage to target hero. If Bramble Spark was fused, your next attack action card this t- uh, you play this turn gains plus three attack. Um, and the 
yellow one would be plus two and the blue one would be plus one and this has a go again so for me this is a this is a b plus i feel like bramble sparks are the truly you know true like core power of most briar decks um and they're just great in multiples as well yep yeah i mean this is exactly the sort of card you want and and this deck i think it's important to note it does defend for two uh but it again costs zero which is really helpful with when you're structuring your turns uh you know the arcane damage already creates an embodiment of earth this acts towards getting you an embodiment of lightning the plus attack is super relevant for trying to push some of these on hit effects that we've already seen that can deal extra damage so yeah i think this is um i think it's a b plus i think it's a really good card i probably want multiple of these in my deck <laughs> at, at all colors <laughs> yeah, to be sure. honest moving on we've got inspire lightning and this is a <laughs> This is a card where we've got quite a big uh, discrepancy on grade, although in, in, in some ways, um, and I think Brennan's going to do his best to, to convince me of this, but Inspire Lightning is a one-cost uh, elemental runeblade action card that defends for two. Uh, we're looking at the yellow version, which has a lightning fusion, and says if Inspire Lightning with fused, deal two arcane damage to target hero. Uh, no go again or anything. And uh, at red, this deals three. At blue, this deals one. So I'm going to just say what I think of this, Brennan, and then you're going to state your case and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> so... I think this is like a D plus. Um, I think it's a hard card to pass judgment on, but immediately the things that come to mind for me is the fact that this doesn't have go again. Uh, so probably where I'm going to be wanting to play this is either just on uh, two card hand, or three card hands, because keep in mind you have to fuse this to even get the ability. So um, that's it's going to cost you three cards if you want to play this out of uh, just a natural hand. Or I'm going to want to play this at the end of a chain. So if I've had go again, or I had like an embodiment of lightning plus an attack, and then I'm coming in, in that case, I'm going to be wanting to attack with my weapon. Attacking with your weapon for full value of four, that's already two plus two arcane damage. So only the red's going to be more arcane damage than that. Uh, and then I need to, of course, you know, pay for that as well and also fuse it, which is going to be really difficult at the end of a chain to still have a card to, to fuse with. So I, I really just don't see where I'm going to find the best use for this card. I think having potentially one in a deck where you need the reach could be relevant. But again, the weapon has that reach with the two arcane damage. So... I think it's a D plus. Maybe I'd give it a build around C, C plus. Um, I'm actually talking myself down even more on the card, to be honest. But anyway, Brennan, <laughs> sell it to me. Where you go? Yeah, so I think the red one's actually B plus. This this card's actually end a lot of games in Briar. You pitch it early with a lightning card. It's very easy to kind of pitch stack that way. Um, and then you come in for three unblockable damage to end the game. You can even have, like, the most I'd probably have this is probably two. Um, maybe just to secure that I have one that comes at the end game. But if you want to play two in two separate hands as you pitch, um, pitch them apart and then come in for three unblockable damage two turns in a row, it's just so, so, so good. I saw so many games at the world premiere end this way because the games could, I don't know, this is a very explosive format. There's a lot of dominate, things get really tall, but you know, you really can slow down the game. And I saw a lot of briars do that while pitching their Inspired Lightnings and then coming in for three unblockable. And it was just a great, you know, kind of inevitability that you could have in the end game. Also, it only takes, you know, it does take three cards, so you will have to arsenal it um, for the lightning fusion. But, you know, you can block with the one card on that turn and then come in with three unblockable. It is, you know, I don't think it's a great card unless you're, you know, you're winning the game with it. But I think that it's a great win condition to have to kind of close out the game. So I really like to see the red. I, I would, you know, I'd probably want to have one to two in most decks. I think we have to stake something on this. I honestly, like, the more you talk about it, the more I hate this card even more. <laughs> Just, I get the whole pitch thing and get it back later on, but if I'm pitching red cards that I want to get back later on, uh, this is not one of the most exciting ones to me. Also, the, the, the opportunity cost of this card being a, or well, taking up one of my slots for my elemental uh, runeblade cards is, like, super high to me. I just, 
And blocks two, I just, uh, I don't know. I can't see it. I think, Brendan, we're going to have to come back to this card and, and see uh, see who's right at the end because I'm, I'm pretty staunch on this one. I'll be showing off my uh, my pre-release victory play mat and then I'll just have this card next to it just so you know. All right, all right. This I'm, is how you get it done. I'm happy to eat my words on this one. <laughs> Let's move through right, to so next... generics. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Aiden. No, that's okay. I was going to read it off myself. So we're just going on to generics. Um, first off, we have Cracker Jacks, which is a generic equipment arms at common. Um, it defends for a zero, which is important. Um, and it says action, destroy Cracker Jacks. Next attack, action card you play this turn, gains plus one attack, go again. So for me, this is a B. These, like, like we said, these are hard to evaluate because they don't really compete with much. Um, but I just want to note that this is just extremely good with multiple thumps in the deck. So if you have like, you know, two or three thumps, Cracker Jacks is so, so, so good. I really like this card. I, I think you can talk about, I guess, you know, the arm slot and being in low competition. But what if we talk about this in the draft context, right? Like how early would I take this card? Pretty early, to be honest. I think this card is yeah. super, super strong. It's going to turn on so many effects. I mean, Thump, of course, that's just like a, a one card out of hand combo effectively uh, with this on the board. But also just the ability to put certain attacks to different breakpoints, even if that's something like an icy encounter. You know, you turn the red into a seven attack, for instance, that now requires three cards. Like there's all these things that... Cracker Jacks can do, and, and the fact that you get to pick the turn that you want to do that, line it up against your opponent's turn. Uh, I would, to be honest, I wouldn't. I think my initial thought is that a lot of these generics, well, actually half of them, I would first pick and draft uh, because they're going to go into every deck that I play, and they're going to have an effect in every deck that I play, whether that be Briar, whether that be Lexi, whether that be Altim. So Altim. So I would probably say, yeah, Cracker Jacks a bit. It might even rise for me into a B plus uh, range. I think mm -hmm. this card is, is a lot better than the first time I read it. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But the more and more I look at this card in the set, I think this card is, is really strong. Well, speaking of cards that I would first pick in draft, why don't you read the next one for us? I will. I, I've, we've already talked about this card, I think, multiple times as soon as we've seen it spoiled. We've talked about it in time of the round. Um, we've talked about it. I think we might mention it on the pod, but Deep Blue. So Deep Blue is a generic equipment chest, defense for zero, as all these generics do. And it has uh, an effect action. Put a card from your hand on the bottom of your deck, destroy deep blue, and gain three resources. So, you know, Brendan, face value of this card, you know, go, oh, is this card that good? At, at the base level of this card, it gets to turn any card you, you need and any card in your hand into a, a blue, effectively. That's that's the, the base level of this card. Uh, that's the worst this card's going to be, is turn something from your hand into a blue. So you draw, you know, a quad red hand or you draw, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, two reds, two yellows, and you need a blue to be able to play a certain hand out of your deck, then deep blue's got you covered, right? You can turn that in. But one of the other things that's, I think, not really talked about as much is we've mentioned this. There's not a lot of ways to tuck cards in this format. There's not a lot of ways to put powerful cards to the bottom of your deck for late game. And deep blue allows you to do that, right? So you might have a red that's uh, an elemental attack that requires specific fusion. You don't have that in that hand. Don't worry about it. You know, rather than just necessarily defending for it, you can put that card to the bottom, turn it into three blue resources, and then stack the rest of your deck to make sure that that card's going to have maximum impact um, afterwards. So I honestly think deep blue is probably an A- minus for me. I know, yeah, I'm probably like, I'm going to say an A-, minus. I think. Yep. Uh, for me, this is a slam dunk A. I actually think it's the, the best card in the set in the sense that it's, you want it in every deck. It's the safest card to pick. Um, and I'm playing it over every other chess piece, I'm pretty sure. 
there might be an argument for the coat of frost i think in draft if you have like a very specific archetype but i i think that this is just like kind of the best common in the set um you, know, you put it in every deck and it's just so so good because not only are you converting the three resources but most of the time you are tucking a power card on your deck and you're also tucking when we talk about tucking this little hidden information so uh, speaking of another great card inspire lightning you tuck your red inspire lightning you have the three unblockable your opponent doesn't know it's coming I was gonna. I was gonna say. So you think this is the best common? I just want to check that you do think this is better than Inspire Lightning. I just want to confirm. That. I do. I okay. do. Think Not the best card in the set, but the best common, right? Yeah, this best common significantly okay. better than Inspire Lightning. Oh, I agree. I think it's about four grades better than Inspire Lightning. I so. know you do. <laughs> so next we have uh, Ragamuffin's Hat. Um, this is a generic equipment head at common. It uh, defends for zero, and it says instant. Destroy Ragamuffin's Hat. Draw a card, and then put a card from your hand on top or bottom of your deck. Activate this ability only if you have one card in hand. Um, Hayden, why don't you give me your, your thoughts on Ragamuffin's old hat here? <laughs> uh, well, I like the plume. I like the red plume. I think the green color is nice. Um, it goes well with his pipe, I think. Ties back nicely. And that's all you like, right? No, I mean, it's hard. It's funny evaluating this card after looking at Deep Blue. Um, where actually just honestly first of all the art on these cards is so awesome and I love like the flavor of these like the ragamuffins hat the deep blue but um, this guy like, kind of sort of like you know festival like carnival kind of theme but um yeah I mean the, so with deep blue right it's it's super unconditional any card can go to the bottom you just get three resources yes ragamuffins hat can potentially you tuck a card you have to have exactly one card in your hand to do this so you're saying okay I draw a card I now have two cards in hand one of these cards is going at the bottom of the top of my deck so it's really constrained in terms of when and how you can use it um so I'm just a lot less excited about this card yeah it's an instance so it can potentially help you turn and maybe a card that doesn't defend well or you don't want to defend with into another card if you're having to block out with your whole hand it can save something potentially which is fine but there's other ways to get cards back into your deck and um, other ways to I guess potentially do that as well so I would probably say it's like a C minus for me. I'm not in a rush to get this card, but I would I would probably play it. Yep, hundred percent agreed on C minus here. <laughs> Moving on to our last card in the set, Brennan, we've got Runaways, uh, which is a generic equipment legs again, defense for zero, has an instant speed ability, so instant destroy Runaways, prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to your hero this turn. Activate this ability only if your hero has been dealt damage this turn. So. Uh, you know, you can't prevent the first instance of arcane damage, but you can prevent one damage on the attack. So say they pop you with an arcane damage, then they come in, uh, you can potentially block for three, pop this for one and stop the attack that comes through for four with an on-hit effect. Uh, it's pretty, it seems pretty relevant against some dominate effects, uh, maybe out of Lexi where they're going wide. I think this card definitely has some some utility and is going to come in like really handy. I don't think this is going to be, you know, it's not going to break up your opponent's whole turns. It's not going to be that impactful that it can just you know, do something like um, like an amulet, for instance, would. So I think this is probably just like a solid C. Mm-hmm. For me, it's also a solid C. I like, the, you know, being able to prevent, um, you know, probably the creation of an embodiment of Earth tokens. I think I talk about embodiment of Earth tokens a lot. I just think they're, they're so, so good. So being able to prevent that or being able to prevent on-hit effects later down the line, um, it's good, right? It doesn't compete with too much. Uh, but for me, it is just a C. Cool. All right, Brendan, we're at the end. We've done it. That's going to conclude our Tales of Aria common and rare limited review. I do want to say before we wrap it up, Brendan, uh, you know, all of the grades that we give in these series reviews are really contextual. This Flesh and Blood is a game where there's no absolutes, right? All these cards are going to change and vary in power level depending on your your build, how they interact with other cards in your deck, and, and probably no more so than in Tales of Aria where 
things like ratios of uh, you know your elemental versus element cards are super important versus your fuse cards uh, versus the two different elements uh, that are sitting in your deck so it's yeah, these cards, these cards are, are going to be super contextual, but there's some really powerful cards in this set. There's some really, really cool interactions and um, synergies that you can build around. And yeah, I mean, I just personally can't can't wait to play some limited uh, this weekend, play some sealed. So, yeah. Yep, I'm very excited for pre-release as well. Speaking of limited, we do have a YouTube channel called Arsenal Pass, so check us out on there. We actually had some limited gameplay go up. We put up a sort of farewell, farewell to Monarch, and I took Hayden to school, and you can watch it all unfold on our YouTube channel, Arsenal Pass. So go shoot us a subscription over there. It helps us so much. We've had a, you know, a, a big focus on YouTube uh, recently, mostly due to all the positive feedback we've gotten on there so far. Um, just want to also shout out our Twitters, the boomers of Welcome to Wraith, Hayden Dale, and Brendan Patrick have found out how to use Twitter. I am located at at the fiddy shades so t-h-e-f-i-d-d-y-s-h-a-d-e-s it's like that really popular um sophisticated novel that was released a few years ago and hayden is at fiendale so f-i-e-n underscore dale follow us out on twitter we love you know we love hanging out with you guys and interacting with everybody um on that on that platform as well can't you know can't end it without saying a super big thank you to all of our patreons so we started a patreon a couple of weeks ago the support has been incredible um we've been able to you know bring on an editor which has infinitely helped hayden's sleep schedule and it's just increased the production value of our um our content so 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 much so a big thank you to everybody on there we do provide exclusive content on our patreon things like deck sideboards extra episodes you know like the one monthly meetup where we do kind of an episode live with all of the all of the you know all of the certain tiered patrons so check it out if that's something you're interested in and if you're interested in kind of the notes um, and all the letter grades with the card images for this set review that will be on patreon as well um, but anyway good luck to everybody in their pre-release weekend i hope you guys all have a good time this set is going to in my opinion go down with one of the greats i can already feel it that there's so much complexity there's so many things to do you can build it in so many different ways um and just really make it your own i think that you know everything is viable and everything is powerful and yeah i just hope that everyone has a great time playing tales of Aria pre-release this weekend but until next time um we will sign off and we will see you next week see you later guys enjoy playing your inspired learnings. <laughs>